So, Kevin, did we yesterday get it all out of our system? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, yeah, you know, 24-hour, I don't know. That, that that Sunday probably lingers for 48 hours. You know, they always say 24 hours, flush it out, 24-hour rule. I feel like it's the 48-hour rule when you get shut out. So what you when you get shut out by Jacksonville? So here's a better question. Today is... What is it, September 20th? Is that right? Right. So fall is what, two days away? Yeah, don't remind me. I do like fall, but that means winter's around the corner. Um, Who do you think, for the last two nights, who do you think has slept more soundly? Chris Ballard, Frank Reich, Max Bowen. (laughs) Put those for me in order. Oh, man, that's a great question. Um... Probably in the order you said. Ballard, Reich, Max. <laughs> Max last night wakes up at 3.45, and next thing you know, I'm on uh, Central pushing him in a stroller at 3.55. Really? People think, uh, Mark, am I psychotic for doing that? No, not at all. So my, my brother-in-law thinks I am. Do you think that is, Jake? I mean, I'm literally, I can't get him back down. I'm going to try rocking him for, last night I didn't even give any effort. I gave a 10-minute effort. I try rocking him for 20, 30 minutes. I'm like, my body's falling apart. I'm just going to push him in a stroller, and he'll fall asleep. And by any means necessary, that's all you got to do. I see one car in an hour. It's great. Pop in a little podcast or two. I mean, sure, you get four hours of sleep, but that's part of it. Well, I got news for you. I guess you either have a child at your age and get four hours sleep, or you just turn 50 at my age and get four (laughs) hours sleep. So... I, I was talking to JMV a few weeks ago. I was hitting a little wall there where I was going to the bathroom quite a few times during yeah, the Yeah, well, that believe me, that that faucet trickles too, right? Now, if you're Chris Bauer or Frank Reich, though, Jake, you just pop on Buffalo and Tennessee, and that'll make you sleep better after seeing what the Titans look like. Then again, you also see what Buffalo looks like. <laughs> well, you're like, good Lord. I think the Colts have bigger problems than worrying about the Buffalo Bills right now and where they're at in the AFC. You know, I... I was curious about Tennessee this season. When would you get the Malik Willis whispers? Like, efforts like last night is going to have that fan base say, why the hell is Ryan Tannehill playing? Right. Now, I didn't see, admittedly, I I, I had turned out by the time that Willis really got on the field. Yeah, I mean, he didn't do anything. Right. But you know how that is, Jake. For Well, I I guess we've never really been in that position in this market because there's never been kind of that – veteran you'd that's have to go a back. little on rocky water. you'd have to go back to jeff george and jack trudeau so yeah i mean a long time ago right um but yeah i you know if you wake up today and you're chris bowden and frank reich and you decide to pull out the vegas lines you will be happy to see that the indianapolis colts are the afc south favorite how could you not i mean you know i i, I made this point last night it was really late though but i got to thinking about this and i don't mean this in any way honestly i, I want to be clear here this is not meant in any way as a disrespect to Chris Ballard as much as simply an observation. Chris Ballard, Kevin, his first big move as a general manager was he hired a coach who backed out on him. And he kind of fell into a coach who had been here before and was coming off of a Super Bowl run, granted not as a head coach, but nonetheless. Then he had his quarterback retire on him, obviously unfortunate, 
and managed to get, and I can't remember, did they trade for Phillip Rivers or did they sign him outright? Signed, uh-huh, free agent signing. So he, he I'm not going to say he fell into a veteran quarterback, but he was able to land a veteran quarterback. Then when that veteran quarterback, and I know they went through Jacoby Brissett beforehand, but when that veteran quarterback was done, then they were able to find what they thought was going to be their long-term answer, and it didn't work out. And they were back to square one, and literally at the 11th hour, a veteran quarterback kind of fell into their lap because of flirtation by the Falcons with another quarterback. So now all of a sudden, Atlanta had to get rid of Matt Ryan. And Is flirtation he, the best word to use with Deshaun Watson? Sorry. Yeah, that probably was a strange pull. Also a bad oh, term. So, Stop talking. Anyway. <laughs> I need to go back to home and see Max. <laughs> so, at any rate, he, he the Colts kind of fall their way into a quarterback again. And now, with kind of all hell breaking loose, they fall their way into contention because they're in the AFC South. I tweeted last night, Jake, I think the first team to eight wins wins the AFC South. I, I mean, honestly. And, and here's the thing. Mark, will you look up those um, over-under win totals? There's no way anyone in the AFC South right now is the favored to win more than eight. The Colts could go 8-8-1 eight, eight and one and host – they could go 8-8-1 eight, eight, and, and host the Chargers in yeah. a playoff game. I mean. Right. It's the Marshawn Lynch Seahawks. And I think the Chargers are the second best team in the AFC right now. I mean, it's such a long year, but still. Honestly, if you had to power rank the AFC, I mean, Kansas City's obviously right behind Buffalo. Okay. But I'm telling you, I think, and I know Kansas City beat the Chargers. I think the Chargers are really good. Man. No, agreed. Houston agreed. Texans over four and a half wins. Indianapolis Colts over seven and a half. So right now Vegas has it pegged at seven and a half wins for the Colts. Jacksonville Jaguars six and a half, and Tennessee Titans after la- la- yesterday's performance, they are not listed. They've they've not posted a new one for them yet. Got to be right in the six and a half, seven and Gotta a half. Be. Yeah, range won't we'll be more than seven and a half. Yeah, uh, you will hear me. Well, you've you've heard me say this phrase a lot. You'll hear me say it a lot over the next four months. God bless the AFC South. It is unbelievable. God it? bless the AFC South. Uh, a little bit, I I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but did you see Kenny Moore's tweet yesterday? I did not. Enlighten me. I don't know that I follow Kenny Moore. I probably should. Stephen Holder, who we'll have on tomorrow, Mark. By the way, we'll be at the Pacers golf outing tomorrow. And good Tuesday morning to you. I don't know if we said good morning. Um, looks to be a really nice day here in Indianapolis. Going to be a hot one the next two days, and then... Fittingly, with fall coming later in the week, it looks like temperatures will get into that fall sort of range. Uh, but we'll be at the Pacers golf outing tomorrow over at the Brickyard Crossing Golf Course, so looking forward to that. It's wild to think that Pacers Media Day is on Monday. Their first preseason game is in two weeks, which is just wild. Um, so Stephen Holder writes an article from Jacksonville following the game on Sunday. And in said article, he has this sentence. Asked whether the issues were scheme-related or matchup-related, cornerback Kenny Moore II said, and quote, it's scheme on scheme. It's a great question, though. Why is this guy so open? So clearly, based off that quote, Kenny's alluding to there were some scheme 
problems with the Colts on Sunday. Kenny follows up a few hours later with a tweet. I never said anything to the media about schemes and would never choose to. We know yesterday didn't go our way and we're moving forward to get better. Pointing the finger will never be a choice of mine. It was yours. Here's the thing about Kenny Moore to me, Kevin. I'm going to pick on Kenny Moore here a little bit. Good guy, too. I mean, I love the fact that he wears, you know, Indy Fuel jerseys. And, I mean, honestly, lot, a lot to like about Kenny Moore. Really embraced being yeah, in Indy. totally. So what I'm about to say about Kenny Moore is not necessarily an indictment on him. It's, it's human nature. It happens to all of us if we are fortunate enough to find ourselves in the position that Kenny Moore has found himself. Kenny Moore, what college, Kevin? Valdosta, Valdosta State, State, right? Yeah. Small school guy. Didn't have the cap dance in high school of a bunch of cameras around with an LSU and a Florida and a Texas A&M hat on the table and ESPNU there to announce live where he was going to end up in college. I'm taking my talents. That's right. Didn't, didn't announce to anybody where he was taking his talents. Comes into the NFL, circuitous route to finding himself as a regular starter. And then all of a sudden, overnight becomes like a household beloved figure. Star of hard knocks. Guy that the whole franchise is rallying around. Frank Reich almost breaks down and declaring to everybody that he's now a, a, you know, a, a Pro Bowl player. And the whole team erupts. It's different for some guys when stardom and celebrity and football or athletic praise is kind of like eggnog. It's not bad when you just sip it every once in a while, but if you try to drink it all in one swig, it gets real fast. And I'm not saying it's intoxicated Kenny Moore by any stretch of the imagination, but I do think that the Kenny Moore pre all the praise and the Kenny Moore that we see now, there's not not completely limiting him, but there is a level of distraction that takes place with that because I don't know that he's used to dealing with it. Whereas a guy that played collegiately at Clemson or Florida or Alabama, you know, they're used to the constant pats on the back, the you're the man, and eventually you learn how to wade through that. I think he's in the process of learning how to wade through it, and I'm not saying that what he is opining about is incorrect, but I just think that kind of knowing when to to turn off the comments and knowing when to to use them as fuel is something that he's still wading his way through. I think that's a really interesting point. Um, I've never really thought, at, thought about it in that light. And I think it's fair to say, Jake, in this four-game run, which we talked about a lot yesterday, of utter disappointment for the franchise, I don't think there's a player that's disappointed more than him. Starting with the Hunter Renfro matchup to end last season and then carrying over to the start of this year. I, I just think these sorts of things, I, I'm not going to act like it's a major deal, but these are some things I think to keep an eye on. Like You know, the Colts have always done a great job of, like, there, there's – Never public splintering with that locker room. Right. You know, that you don't hear a lot of that. And this isn't necessarily falling into that category, but it's just one of those things I think to monitor of if things continue to spiral down this path, is this what catches a little bit more of the owner's eye um, with that? 
Joel Erickson's going to join us at 8.30. Uh, those in Vegas have Frank Reich rising up the first coach to be fired list. We'll touch on that. I didn't understand Frank Reich's answer on Naheem Hines' playing time yesterday. Uh, not at all. We'll, we'll play that audio a little bit later. I thought the reasoning behind that was confusing to say the least. Say that again? Reich's justification for the lack of playing time for T.Y. Hilton. He really chalked it up to like, well, he only had 50 plays offensively. Desmond Patman played nine plays more than Naeem Hines. Kylan Granson played a dozen plays more than Hines. I mean, your best drive of the game, the opening drive, Hines heavily involved. Like yesterday, when I saw the Michael Pittman news on Saturday afternoon, I was like, Michael Pittman's not playing. To me, Jake, it screamed, here is the perfect time to deploy the Hines, Jonathan Taylor, package of them together on the field, and you just empty that playbook. Empty it out on Sunday afternoon. You don't have Pittman. I guess you don't have Alec Pierce. Clearly, <laughs> you aren't using Paris Campbell. That, to me, screamed the need to do that. And after the first drive, Hines had two targets the rest of the game. What is a... um? What's an auxiliary, not an auxiliary, what is a secondary soup line, line of soups? Swanson, is Swanson a, a soup brand? Would Campbell's be number one? Campbell's is clearly number one in terms of soup. So what's number two? Progresso. Progresso, thank you. Good job, Mark. Thank you. So Healthy instead choice. Of, what's that? Healthy choice yep. is another one. I'm sure Kirkland makes soups. I like Progresso. That's good. So I think instead of calling him Paris Campbell... We should start calling him, like, Lisbon Progresso. Because he's not quite totally Paris and he's not quite totally Campbell, right? Looks the part, seems the part, sounds the part, goes out on the field and plays no part in anything other than an offensive pass interference in the fourth quarter. I'm sorry. If you are at this point, and look, nice guy. We played in that uh, knockout game with him, right, Kevin? Did he knock you out in the Pacer knockout that we played? That probably would have been better. No, I th- did you? I thought you knocked me out. That's right. I was trying to. I didn't know what I was. doing. Did you doing bring that though. up just so I could I, say I that say, you knocked me out? No, I. Well, I didn't know. What, I think he did. Who I didn't knocked know. Him out? Oh, it was me. Oh, I, I didn't know Jake what we were doing. I did that. If 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 I recall correctly, Kevin, I did. I was so unfamiliar with that game that. We were both going up for like a layup, and I I backed out to let you go first, and you missed, and then I hit mine, and so that knocked you out. I didn't even know I was knocking you out. But nonetheless. Um, the humbleness of Jake Query mm-hmm, here. Right. Oh, mm-hmm. I, well, I, I'm a very <laughs> humble guy. It's one of my best attributes, actually, of yeah. my many. Probably my best attribute of my tremendous qualities is my humility. I, I can't argue. Look. And your calves, too, of course. Oh, I have wonderful calves. Have you, how did you notice? You Thank brought you. them up all week last week. Well, here, week. I'll bring them up again. My flexibility. That's another thing that's a strong suit of mine. There you go, Kevin. You get to look at that now. Do you realize people are looking on the camera and they're saying to themselves, those are some nice calves. I'm just going on um, my phone. Have we, do we have enough body of work now, though, to say, Paris Campbell, it's not going to happen? It would have happened by now. Am I wrong? Jake, you probably could have made that statement leading into the year. No, I get it. You know, I always felt this way about Campbell. Entering the season, 15 games, and for his career, 360 receiving yards. I mean, that is minuscule 
for, again, a guy that you're slotting number two or number three on the depth chart. Now, the counter to that, a lot of people would say, well, he hasn't been healthy, hasn't had time to build rapport with the variety of quarterbacks that he's had, all of that. Yesterday or Sunday was just awful. Again, with Pittman out, with Pierce out, hell, with not using Hines, why is Campbell not being deployed more? Just force-feed him the ball and see if his athletic traits, which led to him being a second-round pick, can do anything post-catch. In the veteran whiteout market, uh, this just in from NFL Network, Cole Beasley. Oh, can I guess where he went? Did he sign somewhere? Yeah, I don't think it's going to be very hard to guess. Not the Colts. Cole Beasley not coming to Indianapolis. I don't know then. Would I be thrilled if I got transferred to this city? I mean, think about who makes these sort of signings. The Raiders. The Bucks. The Bucks would have been my second guess, yeah. Now, something to ask Joel Erickson when he joins us a little bit later. I believe it was T.Y. Hilton's agent yesterday, Michael Katz, all of a sudden just out of the blue tweets a couple ghost emojis and like T.Y. like 13 consecutive times. I don't know if you're in the agent following business on Twitter, but like usually they're pretty reserved. Right. Usually they're only pressing send if said client is telling them to. Telling them to or coming back or you know, you know making a sign. And I'm like, you know, the one thing you have to do if you're an agent on Twitter, though, for every player that you have, and I understand it, you have to say, Kevin, he's a great player, but an even better person. <laughs> no matter who it is. Yeah, that's a, that's a prereq mm-hmm. right there. Uh, I'm privileged I, to call him not only a client, but a friend, yeah. because he's a great player. I would want player, him to marry my daughter. But an even better person. <laughs> That's what people say about me, Mark. I, God. I, <laughs> I don't know if Michael Katz was inferring anything with that. Tuesday is a very popular roster move day in the NFL. Every Tuesday. Before practice could start on Wednesday, obviously the Cole Beasley news, like I just said a few minutes ago. Um, so we'll see. I don't know. Maybe that's T.Y. wanting Michael Katz to say something. Maybe that's Michael Katz taking a jab at some team around the NFL that decided not to pursue his client in the offseason and saying, look what's happening to you. That'd be pretty aggressive for an agent to do that. Um, but I think it's something worth mentioning. I assume you guys talked last week about the thank you for the memories. We did. That seemed to kind of put a capper on it, didn't it? I, I would like at some point this week just to kind of Give a tip of the cap to T.Y. It, it, I just, I think he's a bit underappreciated. I would agree with that. Because he's not as, you know, he, he, statistically speaking, and you could, you could even make the argument, listen, I'm not here by any stretch of the imagination to say that he is Reggie Wayne or Marvin Harrison, but he put up similar numbers and did so with probably less distraction on the other side of the field. And, you know, he did have Andrew Luck. Never had a good running but, back. Right. I mean, he. there were times where he was their lone weapon on the field. I think you can make an argument, Jake, if you're going to make a list of the, you know, handful of best 5'10 or shorter wideouts in NFL history, he's probably on it. Uh, hey, Jake, why did the Colts get rid of Jacoby Brissett? Just because he didn't throw for 350 yards per game, he had to go. One thing he didn't do was four fumbles and five interceptions after two games. He should still be here. Your thoughts, Kevin? That's a, that's 
Definitely not a take I thought I'd be addressing. It's 7.20 in the morning. Uh, Jacoby didn't want to be here anymore. Again, you brought up Rivers. Jacoby wanted a chance to potentially start. Right. So was it Miami? Was that where he went first? I think that's right, yeah. So, I mean, here's the thing. Obviously, he thinks two is on if, if, shaky ground there, and then he goes to Cleveland where their situation was on shaky ground. Jacoby wants to continue to find the shaky starting positions in the NFL and try and Ryan Fitzpatrick his way into the starting lineups, which he's earned, and it's smart. So, again, oftentimes in free agency, we don't acknowledge the two-way street. Jacoby had a nice run here as a backup, did not want to be here. If Jacoby Brissett was a long-term starter in the NFL for a franchise, it would have happened by now. I think he's a perfectly, I like him, perfectly sufficient player. I don't think he's your long-term guy at quarterback. Jim says this, Reich's comments on Hines are about the last straw with Reich as coach or at least play calling. You know, I've been a little bit more of a Reich defender offensive play calling wise than I think most. I think there's a lot of evidence that backs that up. His explanation on Hines yesterday, again, I, Jim, I, I think there's a ton of truth to what you just said. Uh, Joel Erickson going to join us just a little over an hour from now. Also, is there a quarterback in the NFL that um, I have to offer a mea culpa because I'm thinking, you know what, maybe this guy actually is a long-term solution at quarterback and kudos to the team that gave him the opportunity. Uh, I'll tell you about that, and obviously we'll get more into the Colts uh, coming up in just a bit. And then on the other side, it'll be a morning check down and let you know what you might have missed overnight on a – it actually looks like a decent morning outside, right? Again, I call this Roy G. Biv mornings. <laughs> Roy G. Biv Tuesday. It's Kevin Aquari, 93.5-1075, The Fan. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 Brought to you by Ball State Football. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com. Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Major League Baseball yesterday. Let's do the Albert Pujols watch, shall we? They were off. <laughs> I just looked at it. So no home run for Albert Pujols yesterday, but the Marlins beat the Cubs yesterday 10-3. Strong showing for your Cubs. I mean, I haven't paid attention in quite a while now. You know, since they were playing the Marlins, was Bartman there? I don't know. I don't know where he's at. He's still yeah, in hiding. Where, where is he? No idea. I, at this point... Like, isn't it almost like his being in hiding is like he's the, I, I don't know, maybe it's unfair of me to say, but doesn't it seem kind of like, yeah, dude, like it's only an issue like any more to you? You're good now. Yeah. They won. <laughs> right. We've got three of 12 teams that have clinched spots so far in the major league playoffs, the Mets, Dodgers, and Astros there. The wild card races aren't as jam-packed as maybe I thought they would be with the expanded playoffs. So right now in the AL, you got Blue Jays, Rays, and Mariners getting in wild card wise in the NL, Braves, Padres, and Phillies. How far back is Cute Fella in the AL? Are you looking at that? Uh, I think they are the fourth team. Let's so go, Cute Fella. Yeah, I want to say they are still lurking. They got beat yesterday 11-0 to Detroit, by the way. Uh, did the you Tigers watch? Think. Were you... Going back and forth with the two Monday night games? Uh, I actually was writing something, if you can believe that, last night. I, I So I watched a lot of Buffalo and then flipped over, and it was halftime of the other game. So I didn't sit through the halftime of it. Uh, but I thought the Vikings were, you know, again. The Vikings the, are the Colts of the NFC. Yeah, like the Vikings were the one that I was like, okay, like, a lot of optimism about them after week one. Didn't go so well for them in week two. Buffalo's really good. 
Buffalo, what, 41-7 last night over the Titans, 31-10 week one over the Rams. That's pretty good against the Super Bowl champs from last year and the AFC's number one seed from last year. Yeah, that's not bad. 71-17 if my quick math works out. And with that loss, the Colts tied for second in the AFC South, exiting week two. Unbelievable. (laughs) College football coming up. Um, What do we got? Indiana and Cincinnati. That's a big one for the Hoosiers. That actually is because Indiana, I'm telling you, that down there at Nippert Stadium. Over under was four for them at the beginning of the season for win total. Four. They've got three of them, right? I was going to say, if you get this one, and then is it Nebraska the following week? Yeah. And then they've got, you know, you still got Maryland and Rutgers on the schedule. Indiana's in pretty good position here, right? That's a 330 kick. I thought I saw that the line is 17 and a half. What's the big game this weekend? You know, there's always like the, well, game the big marquee Florida, matchup. Florida, Tennessee. I mean, I know you kind of joked about it yesterday, but isn't Clemson at Wake kind of a big game for Yeah, Clemson? I mean, Wake's 24. No, I didn't joke about that at all. Oh, uh, I thought you were no, I mean, tongue-in-cheek about that. No, at Wake, uh, Wake Forest is 21st. But I think, did Wake Forest lose their quarterback maybe? I thought he's back. Sam, um, okay. Sam something or other. Good, because it was, you know, if I'm not mistaken, he had like a serious injury that he bounced back from or something so you know glad to see him back but. purdue florida atlantic 730 from ross aid and notre dame is at north carolina that is a pick em game i think early on in the week uh, the colts no practice today they'll get back to on field work tomorrow uh, no commitment from frank Reich yesterday on michael Pittman returning to action this week obviously that will be monitored shaquille leonard's situation will be monitored right now the line for sunday it started at three and a half last i saw was six and a half the chiefs favored patrick mahomes first game in lucas oil stadium is it really how many chiefs fans will be there are the chiefs kind of it like be a the, sea of red and yellow you think so yes are the chiefs kind of the golden state warriors of the nfl Every little kid is going to be wearing a Patrick Mahomes jersey. Yeah, I kind of thought that. You know, I've always said the Carmel Pups show up when Steph Curry's in, inside <laughs> a banker's life. The thing, though, about the NFL is you do have a little bit more of, like, if you're a big Mahomes fan living in Louisville, you probably are trying to go to, like, the Cincinnati-Kansas City game. Right. Yeah, the NBA, there's no NBA team. Not a lot of Midwest flavor um, around the Pacers, whereas a little That's bit true. more of you that. Get a, you get more options. But, correct. you know, if you're a St. Louis kid... You know, I don't think a ticket at Arrowhead's just easy to come across. If you're a St. Louis kid, you're waiting for the what? Did the, what was their XFL team? The Battle Hawks? Is that what they were? God, some weird name. Right. Yeah, I guess they like sold out games, and all of a sudden, they just after like three weeks, well, you're okay, just thank you. Watching highlights of Mark Bolger. Another <laughs> team left us. <laughs> what we do now? That's right. You know, when you talk about, and I guess we can get into this when we come back, like level of embarrassment for the owner. I know a lot of people like point to Sunday. And just kind of you know red and yellow in there, and and you know how much that would piss off Ursay. Jake, I think there's a game about a month from now in his building that if they lost that one and it got ugly, that could be the level of embarrassment it needs to reach for Jim Ursay to make a move. We'll hit right. on that next here. Kevin and Corey, ninety three five one seven five, the fan. Jake, obviously a ton of questions yesterday on you know, hot seat and you know how is this v- being viewed by Jim Ursay and I think the embarrassment meter for Ursay was you know pretty high exiting Jacksonville on Sunday, but I think if you want to go higher on that meter, it would take such a performance inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. 
and I think the opponent would matter as well. And when I look at the schedule, and I look late next month, and I see the quarterback of a certain NFC team that comes to Lucas Oil Stadium on October 30th, if Carson Wentz and the Commanders beat the Colts at home and beat them by multiple scores, I honestly think that could be the exact event that Jim Irsay would need for him to boil over and make a midseason change. And now, obviously, you know, leading into that game, you would have to continue down a path of, you know, struggling and, and you know, nowhere near, you know, above 500 and things like that. But that, to me, would get – I don't think Ursa's there now, but in a month from now, considering everything that happened with Wentz, his venom towards Wentz, if that happened in his own building, whew. Okay, let me tell you something that I think <clears throat> that I might have in common with Jim Mercer. And then, Kevin, you've been around it. You worked inside the building. You know, you've got a, probably a better up or had a better up-close front-row seat here. But one thing that is a weakness of mine is that sometimes I let, I try not to, but I think we all do to an extent, I let personal interactions or experiences cloud sometimes, for better or worse, my perception or my analysis of things. And, you know, example given. I don't dislike Chris Ballard at all. I don't know Chris Ballard. Disingenuous to say that I do. I don't know that anybody knows him. I mean, we interact with him professionally, but that doesn't mean that we're like going over to his house for Thanksgiving or we know what he's like behind closed doors. So professionally speaking, I I respect him and I don't dislike him at all. He seems like a nice guy, right? But for example, I, I go back to, and I'm just being completely transparent here. When we had him on, and he, I thought, was smug to to you regarding the receiver stuff before that, um, I thought he took a dig at me when he made the, the joke about having a college degree after I had just mentioned that I'm finishing college. And he said, well, I can get another job. I do have a degree. I Okay. So I think he's – so there's a little part of me deep down that has to stave the temptation – of wanting to like be snarky about him because of a perception that I thought he was snarky towards us. There's a, an element of human nature that goes into that, and and for the most part I stave it. But it would be disingenuous for me to to say that it's not there subconsciously. Mm-hmm. Is Jim Mercer the same way in that regard? In the fact that he tries his hardest, understandably and respectfully so, to not be bobber say who would come down in the locker room after a game and fire a tight end on the spot or cut a guy or whatever else. I think Jim Bursay witnessed that and wants so hard to not be that guy, but are there still decisions that he makes or directions that he has the right to do as the owner of the franchise where he allows his personal interactions or vendetta, for lack of a better phrase, to come into play? Yeah, I don't think you can ever completely get away from it. It might lessen over time. It's clearly not anywhere close to the level of his father. But the Wentz situation in the you know dozen years that I've been around Jim Mercer and, and covered his football teams, I, I've never seen it. 
I've never seen it like that. I've never seen just such a personal. And for those that are for those that are about to jump in and write to us, I want to make clear here: the more that I've talked about this, the more that I've researched is probably the wrong word. I don't want people sending us, calling us, tweeting us, or emailing us right now. Like you got to get over the vaccine thing. This, I'm not saying that has nothing to do with this, but there were, there were more things that took place between Carson Wentz and Jim Irsay or didn't take place. Completely aside from that, there was still enough in Jim Irsay's mind evidence of things that rubbed him wrong about Carson Wentz. And I also think this. Wentz, you know, putting the Wentz thing to the side for a second, Jake, in the 25, 30 years that Jim Mersey has been the owner of the Colts, I don't know if you've been at a point in a season where preseason expectations have failed down the path that this season has started so much. You know, they've obviously been a pretty good football team in the 25, 30 years that he's been the owner. And when they've been bad... Well, it was kind of expected that they were going to be bad. Um, this right now is going down a totally different path from where, you know, for the most part, anybody, in particular him, thought this season would be. Um, I mentioned it before the start of the year, Jake, and certainly what's happened so far reiterates this for me. I don't understand why Chris Bowden and Frank Wright did not enter this season on a hot seat in Jim Mercer's eyes. And when you say hot seat, I think people immediately associate, if you think they should be on the hot seat, you think they should be fired. And that and that's not true. I mean, think about any walk of professional life. You know, my wife works in sales. If she manages a team, if someone on her on her team isn't meeting specific numbers, whatever, they put you on a performance plan or, you know, she sits down with them and says, hey, you know, Tyler, w- w- you know, this isn't working out very well. We need you to get to this number by this date, et cetera, et cetera. And sometimes that little kick in the ass is what that person needs. Honestly, it's when this Colts team has played their best under Frank Reich. When you got off to a one and five start in 2018, when you got off to whatever the start was in 20, uh, was it 2020, I guess you got off to kind of a rocky start as well. So for me, I think the results, I guess I think two things. One, I think some public accountability would do them well because I don't think it's been there from the owner. And again, I think that the Colts under Reich and Ballard have been at their best when their backs have been against the wall. And then two, frankly, I just think the results merit it. When you haven't won a division title, it's the laughing stock of divisions in the AFC. You only have one playoff one in a handful of years. And again, I'll reiterate this a lot, Jake. When you go stopgap Band-Aid quarterback, when you go Rivers, when, when, when you make a move for Wentz, who was proven to a degree in the NFL, when you do the Matt Ryan thing, that means the expectations are higher. Right. There's not growing pains with a rookie QB in any of this. And you factor all that in, the seat should have been warm entering the season, and now the seat should be extremely hot after the start. What's interesting to me about the quarterback position and how it parlays into the brass of the Colts I think Jim Irsay, and I'll give him a lot of credit here, when Jim Irsay got Peyton Manning and rode that high, that wave, that, you know, that dynasty, got him a new stadium, got him a Super Bowl, 
I think Jim Irsay was smart enough to know that it, he was dealing with or the, the beneficiary of a generational-level quarterback that I don't think Jim Irsay ever truly, deep down in his heart, felt like it was strictly the organization that was winning those things as much as they were absolutely in the great fortune of Peyton Manning's greatness. And I think that he, he wanted the same from Andrew Luck. Bill Polian, I feel like eventually Peyton Manning's success and everything that came with it, that Bill Polian started to feel like that was actually Bill Polian that was building that greatness. And that Manning helped, but it was Polian's vision and Polian's greatness that was winning games and championships or a championship. I think Ryan Grigson got a lot of credit. I'm not saying Grigson himself touted the credit, but Ryan Grigson got a lot of credit, especially in the early years, for the greatness of Andrew Luck. And I don't think that Jim Mercer ever felt like, hey, this is the organization that's just brilliantly doing this. You know, I think he knew that Luck was also a generational talent. Chris Ballard now, from a quarterback standpoint, is riding the defection of Andrew Luck and continuing to use that far beyond, in my opinion, its expiration date. I mean, literally, it feels to me like in 2031, the Colts are going to be seven and nine, and whoever's doing the morning show on this radio station is going to be saying, "Yeah, but you got to understand. I mean, Chris Ballard had you know Andrew Luck walked out on him twelve years ago. Probably Elijah. <laughs> it probably will be Elijah. But, but I so I give Jim Irsay that excuse is extinguished. It's gone. Not to a lot of people. I'm it, telling it, you, it should be. Though. I, I totally I, agree I, with I you. What you're saying. I mean, but... you and I are on the same page on that. What I'm getting at is simply the point that I do think that Jim Irsay, in most circumstances, Jim Irsay kind of is able to remove himself and let things organically blossom and realizes that, you know, he's simply the one holding the water pail. Except for in the case of Carson Wentz, I think he took that personally. Nick says this, I can't believe after he was so embarrassed and pissed off to end last season that Ursay's not boiling over right now after two completely he awful showings. I, I think there's a level of you can be boiling, Nick, but again, there's obviously another rung on the ladder if you're going to make very uncharacteristic moves for really any NFL franchise. I mean, how many NFL franchises have, you know, axed a coach in the first half or the first quarter, I guess? Do you want to know, season? speaking of quarterbacks, you want to know the quarterback, Kevin, that I I'm not going to say that I was ever a doubter of this guy, but I want, I wondered if he was an NFL everyday starting quarterback as opposed to novelty act that I give a lot of credit for because it looks like through consistency and and hard work and I think has always had a good attitude. I look at now and I go, you know what? I, I do think this guy is a starting quarterback in the NFL and a pretty good one. Jalen Hurts. Correct. I was a doubter of Jalen Hurts. I I. I I give a ton of credit to Jalen Hurts at Alabama for being the team guy when he was not starting anymore. And and then he gets drafted in the NFL and it's like, well, they're just he's being brought in as like a third down back when they want to possibly mix things up and maybe run the ball and uh, listen, I watched him last night, Kevin. He's a good player. He's always been a, a has a leadership quality about him, I think, a maturity about him. He's obviously can can mix things up with his legs, and has become, I think, more consistent at reads. 
And that goes to show, as I was watching that last night, I was saying to myself, here is Philadelphia that drafted him, and probably a lot of people wondered why, because of Carson Wentz, wondered why they drafted Jalen Hurts a few years ago. What was it, three years ago maybe? And if you give a guy time and you put him in the right situations and you don't burn him and beat him too bad from the get-go and let him organically grow – this is what you get, and Philadelphia now may have their guy for the next eight years. Now, you know who knows? Maybe the bottom falls out, but it seems as though their patience in him and their belief in him is paying off. It can be done. Two things I think to note on that as well, Jake. Credit to Nick Sirianni. Um, I think a lot of questions when he took that job. I even had some questions about him, and for him making that work. You know, they were a very surprised playoff team. I think to a lot of people last last season. Obviously, off to a nice start this year, and then also. And you can point to Tua for this. We talked about you can point to Trevor Lawrence for this. Philadelphia has supported him. I mean, look at the trade for A.J. Brown. Yeah, yeah. Devontae Smith drafted high. I know Smith hasn't maybe lived up to that hype, but they have supported him. And I forget who, it was like Matt or Mark, someone um, messaged me the, the other day saying like, I was never a Wentz fan, but, you know, it looks to me that people owe him an apology you can't blame the wide receiver tight end group that Matt Ryan had Sunday and then act like Wentz didn't work with the same group last year. But I would say to Mark, this group that Matt Ryan has right now, it's worse than what Carson Wentz had last year. Well, certainly it was on Sunday. I mean, you don't have Pittman out there. You know what I mean? You could even make the argument in week one. You don't have Jack Doyle. I mean, T.Y. Hilton and Zach Pascal would be much right. better than anything that you're throwing out there. Sands Pittman. Right. Right now, there was a stat that, you know, that some of these next-gen stats, which is a big NFL, NFL-related stat, they, um, they have a stat called, basically, it's a separation stat. You know, how much separation do wideouts, tight ends, pass catchers in general create? And Matt Ryan had the worst percentage in the NFL of open pass catchers of anybody last week which I don't think is a surprise to any of us. Is, is Mo Cox still on the roster? Watching that. He's on your fantasy team. He got one foot down, right, in the end zone? Did he, did he even get a foot down on that one? He got one foot down. He definitely didn't get the second one down. How did you, now, How in the world did you know he's on my fantasy team? In the because someone seven? asked for a on – our, on our chat, show chat, asked about our fantasy standings, and I said, well, I'm off to a 2-0 start. Jake got a win, and uh, Kevin got his doors blown off. Got a off win. I think I had, the, I had the second highest point total in the league, I think. Right? I thought I got a win one of those weeks. You got a win. Yeah, you're one and one, but this week was you barely cracked 80, I think. Mo Ali Cox, by the way, I put in a waiver claim. I think I played. This is how much I pay attention to fantasy. I think I had Michael Pittman in the starting line. I think you did. Uh, you got a, you got a pass this week since you're on paternity leave. Well, let's not have that happen again. Let's, yeah. let's, we want to put some respect on the show. If my waiver claim goes through, then Mo Ali Cox is no longer a member of the <laughs> Why Not Indiana, just so you know. Stefan, want to talk about Frank Reich and the QB blame? Stefan, good Tuesday morning. Yes. Hey, but my thing is this. You can't really... Chris is not really tied into this. This is Frank going up to the gym and going, I can win right now if you give me the guy I want. If you would have just rode the whole wave of let's go with Jacoby and ride it all the way out, draft our quarterback and move on, we've been great. 
And I was in a part of that, too. Jacoby also didn't have no, nobody on that team when he was playing. And he did pretty good for what he had. Nobody supported him for it. But, hey, it is what it is, right? I think Jacoby Brissett is a perfectly sufficient stopgap starting quarterback in the league, and I think we've seen that at other places, right? I mean, you know, he's had plenty of opportunity to show – and that's not a knock on him, Stefan. I'm just saying, like, I think he's he's a perfectly sufficient carry you through to your point. I mean, it's a good point. He's a perfectly sufficient carry you through while a Jalen Hurts or somebody on your roster is brought in to learn the offense and slowly – hand the keys over to for whatever reason the Colts have decided not to do that and always thought that they're going to get the big splash at the roulette wheel and it hadn't worked out yet I'd push back on the first statement that it's just right to blame for the quarterback decisions and right going to Ursay and saying I can make it work with these guys is right doing that sure but Chris Boward is over Frank Reich it's Chris Boward's decision ultimately he's the final sayer in what this roster looks like and if he wanted to make a big-time quarterback move, he could try and do that. Um, I definitely said it yesterday. The moment Andrew Luck did what he did in August of 2019, Chris Bauer has got to get everybody in the organization that matters and says, we have to do everything to try and exhaust each avenue, each resource, free agency, trade, draft, etc., to find the next quarterback, and Ballard has not wanted to do that. Look at Buffalo last night. Buffalo traded up, I believe it was twice to take Josh Allen. Yeah. I mean, look at Kansas City coming in here on Sunday. They traded up, what, 15 some spots to get Patrick Mahomes? The Colts have been in draft positions, 13 overall when Tua went, you know, five and Herbert went six, uh, you know, 21 overall when they took Quiddy Pay. You're going to have to make big moves in those situations. But Ballard and Reich have been on the same page in putting off quarterback, putting off the serious, albeit risky, but the serious, risky chance in trying to find a franchise quarterback. So, um, sure, Reich has had some say in it, but the hierarchy of how that organization works and the decision makers, Chris Ballard's ahead of Frank Reich. So, he gets final sign-off. Uh, hey, Jake, Jalen Hurts finished at Oklahoma, not Alabama, you doofus. He transferred because of Tua. Uh, again, I mean, that's true. But You got called a doofus before 8 a.m.? But he, um, you know, when in the national championship game, for example, I can't remember if he was hurt, but, he, you know, he played alongside of him and was very supportive of him when Tua was winning them games. Yeah, I mean, sure, he wanted to play. Matter of fact, he might have had one year eligible at – I can't remember how it went with the Oklahoma transfer. But my point being, he was a professional all the way through, and it did not hurt his stock. Speaking of Tua, that 2020 draft for quarterbacks, good Lord. Joe Burrow, Tua, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, good grief. And that was when the Colts were 13 overall and traded for Buckner. Yes, correct. And again, right then and there, yeah, you know, Buckner, has there been nice moments lately? Of course, he hasn't impacted like you would want him to. But that's when you've got to sit down and say – before we even think about addressing a defensive tackle, we've got to figure out quarterback. Can we make a move? Is Jalen Hurts someone that you think is worthy enough to be drafted and develop? I mean, even wide receiver-wise, CeeDee Lamb, Justin Jefferson. I mean, jeez. Yeah, those Chase names. Claypool. I, I can't believe you just got called the doofus, Jake. That's the way it goes, right? Like, if you were going to tell me right now, Kevin, where did Baker Mayfield – 
Jalen Hurts and Kyler Murray start and end their college careers, there's no chance I could get the order of who was at Oklahoma, who was at Texas Tech, who was right. at Alabama, like who played for Cliff Kingsbury, who played for Lincoln Riley. <laughs> there's no chance I could get any of that correct. Joel Erickson's going to join us at 830. We'll be at the Pacers golf outing tomorrow. Chad Buchanan, you said, Mark? So Pacers GM Chad Buchanan is going to join us um, there. And so when it gets to that Naheem Hines audio from Frank Reich, Yesterday, 8 o'clock hour on a beautiful yet steamy Tuesday here in Indianapolis. Kevin Aquari. And looking outside on a gorgeous Tuesday morning. Is today the hot day or is tomorrow? Well, today I think it's hot. I think it's supposed like to be nice all week, right? Five, I saw. Really? I think so. Uh, Monument Circle, the water on the west side of the fountain at Monument Circle is dyed a kind of a pretty shade of purple and i was looking up why the reason being that september i don't know if this is statewide or nationwide but it is uh, overcome addiction and recovery month and purple is recognizing that i did read yesterday that among the marion county coroner um cases of you know determination of deaths that they did in 2021 that accidental overdose or for that matter I guess at times intentional overdose sadly uh, overtook in Marion County is the number one leading cause of death amongst Marion County coroner cases um, so simply wanted to say that there are probably people you know that may be suffering privately or quietly from addiction or if you yourself suffers from addiction there is no shame in finding that help you are not alone in that regard there are plenty of places i would give the phone number out right now but it's not like people have a pen and paper but if you simply google addiction help indiana there are numerous places where you can seek help and probably at that point discover that you are not alone in that journey so wish the best to people that are suffering from that uh we've been talking about obviously the nfl the colts and last night's buffalo bills dominating performance this morning kevin and i will say in all seriousness kicking the stigma campaign the colts continue to do and have been so public with that um kudos to them with with that um yeah last night uh, buffalo w- w- what did it end up was it 41 41 7 i think was what it finally and got it, to both quarter both backup quarterbacks run by like the end of the third quarter oh, case Keenum got run in the third quarter oh, yeah. yeah yeah uh 24 7 philly over minnesota there i maybe if the games were better last night i would have a different opinion i don't like the double monday nighters yeah i tend to agree with you i i just think when I say this, Kevin, you are about to absolutely. There's there are we we've done this show together for how long now? Almost Nine months. A year. Yeah. Close uh, November will be a year. Feels feels like twenty. <laughs> twenty months or twenty years. Twenty years. Um, I'm about to say something that that you will probably throw off your headsets and want to fight me more than anything I've said over the course of eleven months. The NFL is the eight thousand pound gorilla in this country, no question about it. But a few years ago, there started to become people started to kind of comment of like a fatigue about the NFL, and that did, went did away. Did Mark Cuban say that? Yeah, and I know that you know the kneeling. I mean, there were political things that came into play there, and you know whatever else. But um, 
and people kind of fell back in love with it, I guess. But I think a big part of it at that point, I remember Pete the Planner, Peter Dunn, great guy. Yeah, my uh, my brother-in-law works, works for him. Um, great guy. Great I remember guy. Pete the Planner sent a tweet about five years ago that just said, I find myself like less enthusiastic about the NFL this year, and I don't know why. And I remember thinking like, yeah, I wondered if it was just me at that time. And I think it was because, Kevin, and I know people want to get into, you know, oh, with the kneeling and the ratings, and whatever. I don't want to get into that discussion. Aside from all of that, and was that a factor? Yeah, sure. I'm sure it was for a lot of people. I think, I think what took place is there was a period there where it came kind of like a groundswell where all of a sudden the NFL was just everywhere. Every sports channel, it was 12 hours a day of four people yelling at each other about the Dallas Cowboys and the Eagles and the, and you know the name change of the Washington team. And that, that, and then, that's right. And then, but the, there was Thursday night football and two games on Sunday night fo- or you know on Monday night football and Sunday night football, and, and it just got to the point where I felt like it was so ubiquitous that like you, uh, there was no part of the lure of the NFL for so long was the fact that it was one day a week with one dessert on Monday night and that was it. And then it just got to the point where the the novelty of like appointment viewing kind of went away because it was always there. It was always an option. And then they, I think they scaled that back a little bit, but I feel like that's kind of what happens when there are two Monday night games. Because Monday Night Football always was, and maybe this is just me, old guy, you know, because I remember Tony Dorsett's 99-yard run or the the Dolphins shocking the Bears on Monday night in the refrigerator, you know, those great moments. Yeah, Favre with his dad died. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, the Monday Night game was, the, like, I remember when the Colts got on Monday Night Football, I mean, obviously the Halloween game against the Broncos, but even like the Pittsburgh game, the, the pass to Marvin Harrison. Like, there were so many times where it was like, this is a huge deal because the entire country is sitting down at their in their living room or at a sports bar and they're watching our stage. And it just feels like now that's been diluted a little bit. It got back to a sense of normal to that. And then the double headers on on Monday night kind of make it feel that way again. Yeah, of, I, of like the dilution. I, I I don't agree with everything that you just said there, but the double header on Monday night, I, I I just don't think it's necessary. I, you know, Thursday night has really turned into a great package of games. Correct, but when they first did it, it used to be the laughing stock. Correct. Games. When they first did the the Thursday night games, Kevin, it felt like that was the participation trophy of the NFL. Right? Yeah, it's like wait, Jags and Texans are playing. We have again? to give everybody like we, we we told them when they we were doing our own network, they were going to get their own national game. So. Here's your bone, Jets and Browns. And from a short week standpoint, you needed everybody to play on Thursday night, so multiple game, you know, multiple teams uh, weren't having short weeks. I, I don't mind the, the Monday night doubleheader if they do it once a year, but if it becomes a regular well, thing, next they year do, it's three times. Is it three times? Yeah. See, that will be when it kind of gets a little old. And again, during the COVID seasons, I, I get you know the Monday, the Tuesday games, but I was not a fan of. Um, Last night, I do want to play that Frank Reich audio with Naeem Hines, but this from Ryan. Not that it matters now, but what was the situation with the Colts not considering Matthew Stafford? The rumor was the front office didn't want him. Uh, that is correct, Ryan. Chris Ballard wanted no part of Matthew Stafford. He thought the, uh, I think the NFC North history between Ballard's time with the Bears and watching Matthew Stafford with the Lions was too much to make a trade for Matthew Stafford, and obviously. That is egg on the face. 
Did he think that he he wouldn't translate? I don't think he ever thought Stafford would get over the uh, slightly above average label that maybe was on him in Detroit. I don't think he ever thought he could get to where he obviously got with the Rams. He thought he was, I don't know, who are those quarterbacks that you don't put on like the Manning, like he was a notch below the Rivers-Matt Ryan group maybe in Ballard's eyes. I know I'm like throwing a lot of quarterback tears at you, but not Manning, Brady, those guys, probably like tier three if you want to go out there. And again, obviously that is not the case. Um, Frank Reich yesterday was asked about the Naheem Hines usage from Sunday. 15 snaps for Naheem Hines. The Colts had 50 offensive plays. 15 for him. 30%. Um, he had five, well, less than 30, right? If he had 15 out of 50, that's 30%. Oh, yeah, you're right. Gosh, your your math is on point. This algebra grade has got to be an A+. Plus. <laughs> no, I got a midterm today. Ooh. Yeah. You should take off the final hour to get some extra tutoring in. Uh, tutoring begins at 2.30. Kevin was just hopeful. You take the last hour off. <laughs> is the you midter- leave. Is the midterm, will that A be? A plus B equals see you later. Yep. Will the midterm be taken with a tutor? Um, It is proctored, so no. Naeem Hines, three targets in the opening drive, two the rest of the game. Frank Reich's explanation for the lack of usage for Hines. In our first 15 scripted, you know, he, he was really scheduled to kind of get involved. Uh, quite a bit obviously you know we only had 50 total plays which is uh, on the low side um you know or maybe in the high 40s that were kind of relevant plays so you know you're trying to get him involved that's what you know we did as you saw we opened up with them tried to throw a screen to him early um had a couple uh we had another play in that first drive that he got targeted that didn't come up quite the way we wanted it to come up so really in that first in the first 15 plays, I think we had him schemed up, trying to scheme him up three, four, or five times. Um, and then from there, you know, trying to – obviously, we're, we're going to focus on JT. He's always going to be the focus. So, um, um, when you get down to 50 or in the high 40 plays, um, that's just going to limit everybody as far as snap counts. Jake, I, I don't get it. Um in no way, shape, or form should Kylan Granson be out snapping Naheem Hines as much as he did on Sunday. In no way, shape, or form should Desmond Patman be out snapping Naheem Hines. Think about what the Colts said this past offseason. And when I say the Colts, I'm talking Frank Wright and Chris Ballard. They hammered home Naheem Hines in the same sort of playmaking category as Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman. Their belief, their words about Naheem Hines throughout the offseason was a huge reason why they elected to be so quiet at wide receiver and tight end. Oh, we got Hines. He's versatile. He's a weapon. He wasn't utilized enough last year. You know, subtle jab at Wentz for that. And yet, here you are without Michael Pittman. All this talk about Frank Reich even saying it. Put Naheem Hines on your fantasy team. When I saw Pittman was out on Saturday, I thought to myself, this is the opportunity. The 28-21, Taylor and Hines, those packages need to be used endlessly on Sunday. And I see the first play of the game, Hines just roasts some safety for whatever, a 15-yard easy pitch and catch. And I'm like, 
boy, this is going to be a field day for Naheem Hines. And yet, they hardly use him. And, and just that justification, no, I can't get behind that at all. That's malpractice. And for as much as I feel like Frank Reich has done some good things offensively in his time here, boy, you can't defend that whatsoever. I think the thing that becomes difficult for any NFL play caller offense in general is when you have a bread and butter or a surefire type weapon, you feel like if you go to it too often, you are overusing it and and killing its novelty and thus the weaponry becomes, to use my word again, diluted. And so you psych yourself into... Yeah, I think Reich overthinks some stuff. Correct. Like that, yeah. That's exactly right. You know what I mean? You're like, man, I mean, this has worked. It's like if you, honestly, it's it's like if you play roulette and you're like, you know what? I've, I've, I've put it on like the last four times I put it on red, it's hit. But like, I, surely I can't go back to that because, I mean, it keeps hitting. And so like, you know, why would you not keep going to that then? Because you psych yourself into thinking like, I, can I really get like one more out of this? Can I really stretch this one more? You know, when do I finally have to retreat? And I think that's what happens. I do think that the, he outthinks himself. And I I still won't understand that. But Hines does feel like – the other thing about Hines, Kevin, that, that where they've got to incorporate more stuff, and maybe this is what they're trying to do, is have him on the field for a while so that on film there are multiple looks with him on the field where other things are happening – so that eventually then you can utilize him in a way that when he is on the field, it's not an automatic giveaway that that means he's incorporated in that play. I mean, you're not a good enough football team to be doing that. Well, I don't disagree you got to win now. I mean, you've lost how many games in Jacksonville? I mean, these are the guys. Campbell, look at it right now. Campbell, 43 snaps. Strawn, 35. Doolin, 32. Granson, 27. Mo Alleycox, 27. Patman, 24. Hines, 15. Mo Alleycox is still on the roster? He's not on your roster. Well, he is for, for right now. Uh, a pending. I'm Four pending o'clock a waiver is the waiver claim. Wa- waiver claim yeah, when, I don't know when the waiver. On Let's the 107.5, the fan uh, fantasy league, I don't know when the waiver wire becomes active, tomorrow. but I have a claim in. Unless your guy gets scooped and then you're stuck with him for another week. Well, yeah. I think that's... You know, this is a listener fantasy league. There might be some people out well, there. Well, that's that what I mean. I don't, so the waiver claims. claim that I put in, I don't want people to know who I made a claim for. Mm-hmm. Because I was Johnny on the spot. By the way, Screaming Peacock's 2-0. and How do you sit there on a Saturday and think, oh, yeah, I feel like Desmond Patman should play nine more snaps than Naeem Hines. I think Kylan Grant should play on a Monday? 12 more snaps. Just doesn't add up at all. You uh, know, the thing about Kevin, you have a strange obsession with wideouts, don't you? And and I don't know if you know this or not, but it, this is not a new obsession of yours. When you talk about Desmond Patton and you're talking about Hines and you're talking about other players, what you are doing is just fueling and feeding your own obsession that has plagued you now for what, 2 years? Has it been 2 years? Definitely made me think, and I mean, Bowen, every time I freaking read or listen to Bowen, it's like a constant freaking barrage of of, uh, wideouts. How good was Mark's opener yesterday? Solid, Mark. You got some love on that, didn't you? You got some major love. See, that's another loaded question. See, you just keep leading me down this road here. Appreciate it. It wasn't fun putting together, but I was was legit working on it by halftime. Because I'm like, well, this is going south quick. 
Mark, who has uh, hung on longer with those calls? Sneak Dave. L- 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 let's sneak Dave in. Dave, what's up? Hey, how how you guys doing? Doing great, Dave. How are you? Pretty good. I got a question for you guys, an honest question. Week seven, the Washington comes in town. Um, Carson Wentz going to have a chip on his shoulder. Terry McLaren from Indianapolis High School. And if we only win one game up to there, what will Jim Irsay do if they come in there and smoke us with uh, Carson Wentz? What happens to Frank Wright and um, Chris, uh, the GM, if they come in there and smoke us? Dave, I don't know if you're listening to the seven was seven thirty segment, Jake. I think that's right. Where we mentioned the level of embarrassment meter for me. Again, I don't envision Jim Irsay doing anything on the firing front soon, imminent. But that embarrassment, Washington, Wentz, your own building, you add up all that. If you are continuing to struggle as a team, oh boy. Can Kevin. you imagine that crowd? If, oh, if man. Washington is once is rolling. I'm going to give you guys a Washington quarterback. You've got to be kidding me. Trivia question, which I'll give you the in, the answer to it at the end of the morning check down. But here's the question. You're ready? Brunel. When I was in college, my buddy Mike Liker came in from the University of Kansas. My buddy from Kansas. I was at IU. Came to visit me. We got Colts tickets from Scott McConnell's parents to go to a Colts game. They took on the Washington then Redskins who we were laughing because we're like, this is a slam dunk. We're going to see the biggest blowout ever because Washington's starting this quarterback I've never even heard of. And this dude went out and was lighting up the RCA Dome. And in his debut, absolutely torched the Colts. And the Colts lost the game, and this dude absolutely looked phenomenal and went on to a long journeyman career that began in Indianapolis. I'll tell you who it is at the end of the check When I think Washington QBs, I think of Gus Farratt banging his head against the wall. <laughs> that, didn't he, like, injure his neck? I think he did. Yeah, I think he did. Joel Erickson at five minutes, morning check down. The morning check down. Brought to you by Ball State Football. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com. Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Kind of a late day, uh, light day, I should say, in Major League Baseball. It was Marlins over the Cubs 10-3, Braves over the Nats 5-2, Mets over Milwaukee, San Francisco, the Dodgers, the Tigers, Astros, Mariners, and Cleveland Guardians, the other winners in Major League Baseball. Indianapolis Indians, a 9-1 winner over the St. Paul Saints in this, their final homestand of the season. Last night, Monday Night Football, no need to stay up late. It was an absolute rout in really both of the games. Buffalo 41-7 to over the Titans. And what that means is this. Through week two of the NFL season, the AFC South has played, what, uh, eight football games? And they've won one. And that would be the Jacksonville Jaguars beating the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts are tied for second in the AFC South. And Jake, as they wake up on Tuesday, September 20th, they remain the favorites to win the AFC South. What are we? What are we doing there, Mark? Mark was in such utter shock at that, I believe. I just, yeah, I roll. I roll my eyes. I shake my. Mark's head. trying to figure out how to get the Bears in the AFC South. Yeah, please, <laughs> can we do that? And stop putting, saw, stop putting the Bears in prime time against the Packers. I'd appreciate that. Uh, Justin too. Fields got in some hot water, right, for making a comment that the players care think, more than fans. And I don't I'm like, think that was a big deal. Isn't that what you'd want him to say? Yeah. Uh, by the way, Kevin, you absolutely stole the thunder. You're a complete pain in the neck on my question. Was that right? It was Gus Farratt. Really? Mm. I didn't realize Gus Farratt was that old. Yeah, Gus Farratt. Well, thanks. Um, 
<laughs> Sorry. Shows me my math. I was like, you in college. Okay, let's go to like. <laughs> I said, Joe. I mean, literally, I was thinking Fizen, Doug okay. Williams, and Gus. The Ferrat. only other great college cult story that I had was I went. And I'm not going to say any names because the person's a prominent member of the Indianapolis sports community today, and I don't want to admit that he's maybe aiding and abiding. I might have told you guys this story before. A friend of mine from college from Seattle, we went to the RCA Dome to see the Colts and Seahawks play, 94-ish, 93-ish. Bought tickets in the very top of the RCA Dome. Third quarter, they come over the – the, the, you know, they're like, if you're sitting in section 320 or you know, 623, row 9, congratulations, you've won a free Papa John's pizza. I probably told you guys this story. And we're sitting on the aisle. And all of a sudden, like five minutes later, this lady comes up with this booklet of free pizza coupons and hands them to me and says, just take one and pass them all the way down the row. Like, yeah, no problem. I turn around to my buddy. I go, dude, we are out of here. And we ate free pizza for like two years in college. Now, so how did that work, the, the old free food for a year? Was it literally you could get a pizza every day if you wanted? Well, Kevin, here's the thing. Because I got asking. gypped in that and in a again, golf outing once. Thank you for asking. The way it worked was everyone in the row was to have won a free large pizza. There's like 65 people in the row. I'm sitting on the aisle, so they give me the booklet and ask me the responsibility of taking out my free pizza and handing mm-hmm. the booklet down so yeah, that everybody gets it. Take one and pass it along. Right. And you so, take six. I took the entire booklet, and we ate free pizza for And yet literally. you still have good karma after that? <laughs> I'm not saying I'm proud of it, but I was in college. See, in a golf outing, I won free noodles and company for a year. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of noodles. It was one free too. entree a month. Okay, well, that's for a year, right? I, 12 entrees. Isn't what, that a little finicky? How many yeah, noodles did you want? that kind of defeats the purpose want? of a year. Right. I don't think so. I think that's a fair. A month? Yeah, once a month is... We were eating Papa John's at least once a week. <laughs> How well, good yeah, is... some kid didn't had to go to the Scholastic Book Club to get his personal pan pizza because Jake Query hogged all the pizza There's pamphlets. been times where I just want to drink the garlic butter I'm not saying John's. I'm proud of it, but I mean, when you're in college, you got to do what you got to do, right? Yeah, I don't want a pepperoni. Well, that jackass <laughs> in the front, front of the row took it all. Actually, the very first free pizza that we got out of it... Uh, I kid you not, another friend of mine in college took a bite out of it, and there was a bolt that had fallen oh, off the, in the oven. Uh-huh. So they gave us like a free, like 20 free pizzas for that. So we parlayed it. <laughs> Bolts falling at Colts stadiums. It was like, it literally was like an early win promotion from DraftKings sports, Sportsbook app, right? Joel Erickson, next. Do you think Joel A. Erickson gets a raise for having to witness that on Sunday? In person? Man. I mean, you get to go down there and smell the Maxwell House coffee being ground. That's cool. Roasted, whatever they call it. I'd love to ask about the pool, but I'm going to refrain. I've always wondered, you know, just kind of first come, first serve. Do they have adult swim in the pool in Jacksonville? (laughs) How big is the pool? It doesn't look that big. I'm disappointed CBS doesn't show it more often. It's kind of my gripe that I have with games from Jacksonville. Uh, Joel Erickson from the Star. He is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Joel, I'm going to start here. Um, did you um, see Michael Katz's tweet yesterday regarding T.Y. Hilton? I did. I did see it. Okay, and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. I, and I ask you because I think you're extremely plugged in with this stuff. Michael Katz is T.Y. Hilton's agent, correct? Yes, he is one of the two Katz brothers who are the Hilton's agents. Who are Hilton's agents, yes. And he yes. tweets yesterday, which honestly looked – kind of like a 13-year-old tweet, a couple ghost emojis, and then like T-Y, 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 T-Y. 
And I'm thinking to myself, man, if agents tweet something along those lines, usually it means something is up with their client. Am I reading too much into that? So I, I looked into it for the same reason. I mean, I, I saw that tweet and felt and thought the same thing. And I, I'm going to be honest. I don't, I don't know if I got a great answer back. I got uh, conflicting. I got conflicting uh, information in terms of in terms of what's going on. But yeah, you know, I, I'm the same way with UKB. When I saw that tweet, I was like, "Oh, is this is this happening right now?" Uh, and then, yeah, I what I was able to, to get from from trying to poke around on that was. Um, obviously not strong enough to go on, but it sort of tried to lead me in two different directions too. So uh, it, it's hard to handicap that, but that, that tweet seems, you know, it, it seems like it's a big deal. And so anything, anything that I, anything you get that, that seems in contradiction to the idea that maybe he's coming back, you're like, well, I, do I trust that? Because there is this tweet out there with, with all, all these TYs in a row. It's re- really tough to, to kind of parse through some of that stuff sometimes. Well, the thing that's interesting to me... Gosh, that's odd, Joel. Thank you for sharing. I, I, I know you're probably very confused. I mean, Joel, the thing that's weird to me, you know, and tell me if I'm like, you know, like would flunk a Nancy Drew book review here, but when you look at it, the first thing you would say is like, oh, well, maybe this is like dropping a hint that like there's been a reach out about TY Hilton Services. And then I'm like, but yet the Colts... Once the Colts put up the thanks for the memories, that kind of closed that door officially, right? Or am I way off base? I, I, that it's, it's, see, that's another good example of, of how, you know, how do you tell? Cause you know, there's, there's guys who've had retirement press conferences and then ended up playing for a team again. Shoot. Tampa Bay's Tampa Bay's quarterback uh, is like that. So it, you know, they put up the thanks for the memories thing, but if if the situation got dire enough and they they felt like he was the one who could help them, you'd you'd be like, hey, thanks for the memories. Can you make some new ones? That's just the way this works. So it's hard to read too much into anything without hard information, which is not what I've honestly not been able to get. I've I've gotten whatever the the, the soft information in both directions. Yeah, someone just tweeted, you know, Tampa sniffed around with Ty before they signed Cole Beasley. I again, I I don't I don't know, but it, yeah, it certainly. Um, was something that caught my eye yesterday. Joel A. Erickson from the Star, he's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Joel, do you think, um, in Jim Mersey's eyes, do you think Frank Wright and Chris Ballard are tied at the hip if one goes, both goes? I I don't know. I, I felt like in the offseason, I felt like he said stronger stuff about um, Ballard than he did about Wright or, or stuff that was more uh, – confident in terms of in but so I feel like I might be reading into that too much I I also know that GMs in the NFL typically get more more threadway than than coaches do uh, for whatever reason I think part of it just has to do with the fact that the coach is forward facing and everyone sees them but uh it's hard to tell for me they're tied together I I every every time we get into one of the issues I I feel like I end up going back and forth between both of them, so but but I don't I don't exactly know exactly where Ursay is on it. I feel like maybe um, Reich had more to prove to him than Ballard, but that's 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 reading a lot into into the owner's quotes. Joel Erickson is our guest from the Indianapolis Star. He's on the Payless Liquors guest line. Joel, on my way in this morning, 
uh, the national show that precedes this program, they were talking about the Colts and about Matt Ryan and basically said that Matt Ryan has turned the corner. He's too old. Um, you know, the, the Indianapolis is where quarterbacks go to die. Now, the question I have for you is this. Is it that Matt Ryan, in fact, got old overnight or – have the Colts done him a disservice thus far, and it can be repaired, but by not offering him the proper protection and thus we cannot fully evaluate who exactly he is? I, I think it's the second one. I, I think you're on track there with the second one. They, the, whole, the whole thought process around Matt Ryan coming here was that the Colts were going to give him the things he didn't have in Atlanta. Uh, you know, He's going to have a running game that he didn't have in Atlanta, he was going to have protection uh, that he didn't have in Atlanta. I mean, he, he was sacked more than 40 times in each of the last four years with the Falcons. The Colts have never under right given up more than the 34 Carson Wentz took last year. But through two games here, Ryan's been sacked nine times, or uh, seven times, sorry, seven times. It feels like nine or ten or whatever. Uh, and he's been under constant pressure. I, they, they haven't done – and he's also, he's, also, he's also not gotten receiver help, but that's something that I think the Colts, especially after he got here, conceptualized him kind of elevating some of these young receivers. But the protection part is the biggest piece. I think that's the reason we're seeing bad – that's the, one of the biggest reasons we're seeing bad play from him is he doesn't, he doesn't have time to do anything. He doesn't have time to, to get these receivers open or, or – because they, they, there's someone coming from not just the left tackle spot, but sometimes all over the line. Joel A. Erickson from the Stars with us. Kind of going off that point, Joel, um, no offensive line makes more money in the NFL than the Colts. I believe their defensive line ranks third in the NFL in money invested into that group. Um, in your eyes, who's been more disappointing through two weeks, the O-line or the D-line? Oh, that's a good one, KB. Um, I think the defensive line, and and I'm I'm throwing in just the uh, the the fact that the offensive line. I mean, the offensive line's been bad. I mean, it's, it's, you're choosing between two bad things so far. Um, the offensive line at least has you know the 160 yard gain for Taylor. Uh, outside of Quiddy Pay in overtime, those two plays in overtime, just very little from the defensive line. And this this was supposed to be more of an attacking front. It was supposed to be uh, geared around producing more pressure than the previous scheme had. Bringing in Ngakwe was supposed to give them this tip of the spear that they didn't have. We haven't seen any of that. And, you know, you can say what you want about play action or misdirection or, uh, you know, them getting the uh, other, other teams getting the ball out quick or rolling out or whatever, but I – my understanding of what they said the scheme was going to be, the attack front was going to be, was that none of that was going to matter. That you were going to play to the quarterback and then adjust on the way to whatever is going on there. When I feel like what we've seen so far from the defensive line is they're, they're paying a lot of attention to that and they're not winning one-on-one matchups when they, when they have them. I, I think Butner's hip injury um, kind of clouds the evaluation of him. I don't know. You know. He didn't practice much last week. I don't know what, exactly what he's dealing with. But everybody else, like I said, outside of, outside of those two things from Quiddy Pay, just nothing and absolutely nothing from the, the guys behind the starters 
which makes it even worse. I mean, how, how many times have we heard that they have to have eight or nine rushers? They, they kind of have like four or five. It, it's bad right now on the defensive line. It's bad on the offensive line, too. But just the starkness of how little they've gotten from them over two weeks is, is kind of arresting. Yeah, eight quarters of regulation football, zero sacks from the D-line. Both those pay sacks came in overtime in week one. Um, one thing to note on the O-line, this left tackle rotation, Matt Pryor continues to get the bulk of the reps over there ahead of Bernard Ryman. It's almost getting to a point, and I'm really surprised I'm here in week three, Joel, but it's getting to a point that Matt Pryor, to me, has looked so sketchy. Why not just roll with a rookie? If both are going to be sketchy, I'd rather the rookie grow than the five-year vet, I guess. I, I'm with you on that, and part of it is part of it is just we, we know what Pryor has been. He, one of the things he hasn't been is a left tackle, other than one game last year. Um we don't know what, what Bernard Ryman could be. And in talking to people who've been around him before, I did a big story back in the spring on, on his whole pass from Austria all the way here. And, you know, the coaches at Central Michigan, they all said, like, it's, it might start in a place that's not great, but he just learns so fast. And if that's true, if that's who this guy is, you know, maybe just if you're going to deal with issues on left tackle anyway, let him learn and see if all of that physical gifts that they like will catch up because they felt like he made a big, he made a big improvement during training camp. It, a guy who's learning fast like that, give him more game reps. And then, and then you, you, maybe you'll get, maybe you'll get an actual left tackle by the end of the season. Whereas with prior, he's a vet. I mean, I, I don't know if he's going to make a big improvement that we haven't seen from him before in his career. You know, it feels to me like left tackles like quarterback, and by that I mean, if you've got two of them, you've got none. You just got to—I don't care which one it is—you got to pick one of them. You got to roll with it. You got to stick with it. Am I am I way off base there? No, I, I think I think left tackles like quarterback not only in that, but also in that uh, it's it's really really hard to find one outside of the first round. And if you do find one outside of the first round, it might take them a little bit of time, but. Normally, you would have given Bernard Ryman uh, a better option to play behind so he could do the developing. They haven't gotten that from prior yet, you know. And, and like I said, I, I just keep thinking about the upside. And if you can get there by the end of the year, surely those game snaps would help, help him download some of that information and learn and get better. Joel, last one from me. Um, you know, I – I don't want to speak for you, but I, I've been saying pretty much all show long, I, I don't expect Jim Mercer to do anything imminent when it comes to any sort of firing or any sort of, you know, in NFL terms, something pretty drastic in the month of September. You really don't see that in this league. But I think there's a level of embarrassment that if you got there in your own building, if you got there at the end of next month and Carson Wentz was the one doing it to your football team, that just might set him off. I, I I think it would almost take it to that degree for him to react in such a manner. Again, I don't think that anything's going to happen soon, but if it were to happen, I think that might be the recipe to do it. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I've been kind of saying this. It, it's hard for me. I think this is one of the things where uh, me having only been here since 2018 makes it a little harder for me to read it. I just... I, I don't know 
Ursay in coaching change or gene change situations the way like you do or Chap does or one of those guys. And so, and to be fair, Joel, I, I, I don't. Off to be fair, Joel, I don't think any of us do. I mean, Jake, feel free to chime in, but again, compared to preseason expectations to where you're at right now, this is pretty uncharted territory under Ursay's ownership. Like when you go two and eleven yeah, in, in, in two thousand eleven, you were expected to be bad. When you were bad with Jacoby in twenty seventeen, well, you were expected to be bad. When you. when you Manning, want to go back to Jim Mora, I was going to say when Manning got hurt, and you ended up with you know the Curtis Painter. I mean, everybody knew they were going to suck for luck, but they weren't saying that. That roster got so exposed so early that that was Bill Polian, who was a Hall of Famer, and as soon as there was light coming through the armor he was gone so the precedent somewhat is there right yeah it, it just not as often as it is maybe with jerry jones or i, I don't know so, so right right totally yeah some other owner yeah and that that's the thing that makes it hard to read is you know you usually when you're trying to figure out what they're going to do in these situations you go based on prior um performance and that's i i don't know if i have it like especially with Pagano and Grigson era, I saw that from afar. I was covering the Saints at the time. Um, and I'm sure Colts fans remember, I had my own uh, coaching, you know, wishy-washy and flirtations to deal with at the time. So I don't remember it as well. And that, that makes it a little bit harder for me to guess at what Ursa is going to do. Yeah, I I don't think – I think that Jim Ursa deep down – Kevin and I have talked about this a lot, Joel. You know, I, I do think that wanting to not be his father is very important to him. And going into the locker room after a game and immediately, fi- you know, listen, I think he had to be talked off the ledge of doing that after Jacksonville, uh, of just going in right then and, and making, I'm not saying at the front office level, but making changes or dictating changes right then. He did push away to let things pan out organically over the, the proper timeline. And... Joel, you tell me if I'm overly optimistic here. I just look at it and I go, look, they're off to a bad start. There's no doubt they're off to a bad start. And it's embarrassing what happened in Jacksonville. And they were awful and excusable. They didn't look prepared. They looked flat. They didn't look like they cared. And people are PO'd, and rightly so. But it's two weeks. And I look at the NFL season, and I'm like, you know what? I mean, Kansas City, it's going to be a, a big challenge, but – it wouldn't surprise me at all. It'd be so Colts, so NFL if they turn around and play well against them. But they do have opportunity to right the ship. And if they win two or three in a row, doesn't everybody kind of forget about it? Well, I mean, and the, and the other thing is this: this staff has a history of of writing the ship after some some bad stuff. It, it, no one wants to hear that right now, and I understand why. It was like where you guys started at the top. Watching that live was really tough. I mean. I think if you're at home, you can probably get up and walk away and switch channels, go watch the other games that are going on. You know, watching it live was it was it was awful. But there is they, they've they've looked bad before, and we've been in this position before, and then they end up figuring out a way to get get back to it. And if you, to some degree, if you make the coaching change, and I, I know nobody wants to hear this, you, you've given up on this season completely. And if you feel like you have guys, which I, I think the Colts feel like they have guys. Not most. A lot of them haven't played like it so far, but the Colts still feel like they have those guys. Giving up on the season this early, um, you probably feel like you're missing a chance. Uh, again, like I'm with you. Not to that's not to that's not to minimize what's happened over the first two weeks. It's been bad. Uh, but in terms of the way the NFL has worked and the way this this regime has worked specifically, 
they they tend to figure it out when their back is against the wall. And, you know, do you feel like you, you give them that chance to figure it out when they're back against the wall again? Again, glass half full, God bless the AFC South, but then I also look at the schedule and think, holy hell, it's about to get much harder, much quicker here leading into... Is there anything holy about hell? Kansas City, There's not, Denver, is there? And <laughs> it seems a, a unique... It's a very weird expression. You're right. A very strange expression. Yeah, I've never really thought about that. Joel, welcome to the 9 o'clock hour as we try and sift through that here. Joel, these are are the kind – Joel, I know this is going to shock you because you and I don't know each other well, but this is the kind of neuroticism that keeps me awake at night. You know what I mean? Well, I I just walked out of my my Tuesday morning uh, men's Bible study at church, and now you're, like, taking me, like, back into it. Like, Mm -hmm. I went right back into it. Next Tuesday, can you you bring Joel – can you, ask him that, can you ask him that question, Joel? Next, next Father, Tuesday? I got a question for you. <laughs> I'm just saying. What, what, what is the origin of that phrase is what I'd like to know. That's just Maybe what there are holes know. down there. I, I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> Joel, thank you very much. Sorry about the end. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. It's all good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Joel, Mark, now you're Joel Erickson's last appearance on the yeah, Kevin Aquarius Show. Now Mark's confused. Can you insert the Rick Carlisle was fun while it lasted for Joel? <laughs> I'm just saying. On the show. You know? Uh, Jake, right now in Vegas, the first coach to be fired in the NFL, Matt Rule at plus 200. Number two on the list, Frank Wright. You remember when Matt Rule was like the prodigal? I mean, it was like... Chris Ballard interviewed him. And Chris Ballard, you know, Joe Hall Josh just... McDaniels... Um, Joe Hall just wrote in and made a good point. Wasn't Chris Ballard really high on... Was it Nagy? There was a Kansas yeah, the City. first go around was uh, McDaniel's, Nagy, Rule, and Vrabel. And then he went with McDaniel's, right? Yep. And then the second round was Reich, Leslie Frazier, and Mr. Kneecap, Dan Campbell. Leslie Frazier, the Bills defensive coordinator, who was on the Dungy staff. Right. Not very long, but he, was on he, the Dungy staff. Here. Well, wasn't he the head coach at Minnesota? Am I wrong there? Sounds right. Yeah. Uh, you said that you wanted to play a quarterback game coming up. Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Let's do that coming Is up. Is it going to be hard? Well, um, Am I going to say holy hell? That was it. The guy or the gal that called you a doofus earlier? Uh, it was a guy. Yeah. That, that's what brought it up. <laughs> he might be calling you a doofus again. By the way, I just got to throw this in. How good is Stefan Diggs at football? He's really good. It's pretty good. My fantasy team thanks him. We've mentioned this a lot lately. Um, how about a shout out to Buffalo saying, "Hey, Josh Allen, you want some support?" Let's trade for Stephon Diggs. How about a shout-out to Buffalo saying, we need a quarterback. Let's Didn't they trade up to get Josh Allen? Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. They didn't mess around, right? They're, hey, we need a quarterback. Let's go get him. He's Jake Corey. I'm Kevin Bowen. We'll do a little quarterback trivia, if you will, coming up next here. Kevin and Corey. It's a glorious Tuesday here in Indianapolis. It's going to be a hot one tomorrow north of 90. We're going to be uh, out of the golf course tomorrow, right? We are, yeah. Over the Brickyard. Pacers golf outing tomorrow. Chad Buchanan is going to join us. Can you believe Monday is media day? And yeah. two weeks from tomorrow, Jake, their first preseason game. Uh, my Aust- Oh, Kevin, you you weren't here when I mentioned this to Mark. My Australian friends uh, are coming in Monday. I'll be picking them up at the airport. Michael, Marcus, and Daniela, who I met at a Pacer game. They are diehard Pacer fans that live in Melbourne, Australia. And at a Pacer game is where I met them, showed them around, became good friends. 
They are coming back to a U.S. visit. They're coming to Indianapolis strictly because of their Pacer fandom and, you know, maybe because of yours truly. But um, they're super stoked because the Pacer season is upon us. And so they asked me, they're like, well, what, like, can we maybe like see the arena? And I'm like, I don't know, because training camp starts on Tuesday. Um, but they are going to come in, I think, on Wednesday because I'm driving them to Chicago Wednesday. Uh, they might bring in fresh Vegemite for you. Oh, <laughs> yeah, he told me that last week too. Is this where I do my fake excitement, or <laughs> please, please maintain your Can't excitement. Can't wait, boy! That's gonna be awesome. Well, like another got, taste of that. I've got all this liquid death right here that I can just wash it down with. I think my palate is just getting over it the first time. <laughs> well, I was thinking maybe since they're Australian, maybe they know a better way to prepare it, right? Well, that, that that's a nice way to put it. I think that's the optimistic view. With that, yeah, two weeks from tomorrow, the Pacers' first preseason game, and then the season opens in less than a month. Um, all right, a little quarterback trivia here, Jake. Okay. And the NFL does this every year following week one. They send out kind of a long report about, you know, who's got the tallest team in the NFL, who's got the most guys over 300 pounds in the NFL. Okay. They also send out a where did all the quarterbacks come from in the NFL? Okay. Like where are they drafted? Where did they go to college? Et cetera, et cetera. Three colleges have produced three quarterbacks. That's the most of any college. These so, are just rostered quarterbacks or rostered starting quarterbacks? quarterbacks. So, you know, the Sam Ellingers, uh, yeah, Ellingers on the 53-man roster, the Sam Ellingers of the world okay. would be included in this. So you have three colleges that top the list – for most QBs currently in the NFL, can you name them? Now, is this including if they were a transfer from a school? I am assuming that this is the final place they played college football. Oklahoma. Ding! That's one of the three or one of the... Thank you. Okay. Um, God, that ding kind of hurt my throat. <clears> throat> Boy, outside of that, this is where it gets tough. I think one, you're kind of, you're gonna, you're gonna be mad at at yourself for not getting. The other one, I'll be shocked if you get. Oregon. Oregon is not correct. Okay. <laughs> How about a hint of? And I know we'll probably make a joke about the Oregon jerseys, but Oregon's. Prominent jersey colors are also the colors of this school, of one of the two schools. Okay. Um, see, there's here's the thing. There is a school that, like, you'd be surprised because they have quarterbacks that, like, end up as the number three guy in the NFL, and you're like, oh, I forgot about that dude. So I'll go with Michigan State. Two week one starters from this school. Is it Michigan State? It is not. Okay. Um Mark, you got anything? Hmm. I'm trying to figure out your Oregon hint. I know. I thought Jake would go a little bit more with that. Well, it's got green in, in it, right? I mean, how many colleges were wearing green? Well, Michigan State would be right. one. No. I mean, Baylor wears green. I'm doing a quick scan of, oh, well, hold on. Um, Man, if you if you quickly scan through, and I realize people are probably screaming at the radio, so this makes for terrible radio at this point. Um, Is it North Dakota State. Oh, that's 
Yeah, there you go. Mark Dykden. But who do they From have the three? Volleyball line. You got two week one starters. Yeah, and then who's the third though? Easton Stick. Excuse me? Mm-hmm. I used one of those in Little League. I know. I was always like, wait, twenty eight ounces or thirty two? Can I use the bigger barrel? Um I think he's at Chargers, maybe with the Chargers. But Trey Lance and Carson Wentz. Yeah. Uh, okay, and now the last one. This is the, it's not an obscure college, but I think it's the most difficult one of the three to find. So it's not a, let me ask you this. Are it's any, a power five conference. Are any of the three, are any of the three starters? Oh, no. So, no, th- no. so three quarterbacks, none of which are starters. No. Okay, I'll go with. Um, Long time QBs in the league. Several of them, two of them. That rules out Delaware, right? Um, I'll go with Ole Miss. Very close. A school that I applied to, Jake, and got in, but did not attend. Why did you not attend it? Probably just a hair, just a hair too far. Why did you apply? Uh, got some cousins that went there, and good journalism school. Great journalism school. Joel A. Erickson is a graduate. Missouri. Missouri. Yeah, so you got Chase Daniel. Super Bowl backup QB to Tom Brady. Super Bowl winner with Tom Brady. He has beaten the Colts, I believe, before with Jacksonville. Oh, Blaine Gabbert. Blaine Gabbert. And then Geno Smith's backup. Okay. Drew Locke. Yeah, Drew Locke was the – and you know what's interesting? All three of those guys, maybe not Chase Daniel. Chase Daniel's probably had the best career of those three, and yet the other two were guys that were thought to be franchise-level quarterbacks. Is it kind of wild to think that, like, Missouri, North Dakota State, and Oklahoma? I, I mean, so it's, Oklahoma's got the big ones. There was you a know, time – Hurts, Kyler Murray. I mean, there was Baker. a time a couple of years ago where what schools would that – you know, like Boston College had, like, three starters – on a Sunday, one you know the hassle you had Hasselbeck, you had Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan, and then um, oh, there was one other one from Boston College that just names just escaped me that were starters from Flutie. Yeah, it wasn't Flutie. Remember when Flutie would kick the extra points? <laughs> yeah, I do remember that. <laughs> By the way, have you seen the Chiefs' safety Justin Reed kick? Yeah. Oh Talked my about gosh. that last week too. Yeah, get Chase McLaughlin out of here and get Justin Reed in. That's here. what I said. Yeah. I said, what could you could you engineer a trade? Work on your kicker and your secondary. Who's the other kick? The other quarterback from Boston College is going to drive me crazy. Glenn, what was the fellow's name? Glenn something. Terry Glenn. No, the redheaded fellow. Teacher in high school, Glenn Mauger. He's a legend. <laughs> redheaded it. Glenn. That's what you said. Yeah, it's a red, Glenn Foley. Oh no way! Did him and Matt Ryan cross paths? Hold on. List of Boston College starting quarterbacks. Uh, Matt Ryan. No, hold on. Yeah, maybe maybe two of the Hasselbecks and Matt Ryan were all in the league at the same time. Is that possible? Uh, probably. Anyway. Those Hasselbecks had red hair. Purdue at one point had, what, two or three starting in the NFL at the same time? Breeze, Orton, and would there have been a third? You know what? Is it possible that there – there's no way that David Blau like got a start and overlapped with. I mean, 
Orton. Not with and, Orton. Yeah, maybe yeah. with Breeze. The Thanksgiving start. Anyway. I can't, you know, I'm not a. I, I I enjoy watching Purdue football, Jake. I tell you what, I've watched them. I really watched both their games this year: Penn State and Syracuse. Not the Indiana State game. Oh my God, do you? Is it stressful watching Purdue? Uh, yeah, I know. Now, what's interesting is, you know, Louisville's in a weird situation from their coaching standpoint. If the slam dunk that seemed an automatic that oh, Jeff Painter would end up there, Curtis Painter. Oh yeah, there Thank you go, you, Brian. Yeah. Um, is it is it possible that now if Louisville has an opening that they pass on Jeff Brom, or is he still their guy? I mean, who's Louisville attracting? Fair. He's the ninth highest paid coach in college football. Yeah. Yeah, the, the end game stuff is inexcusable with that. The ninth highest paid coach in college football. God, and it was such a great comeback on Saturday to get back in it. Payne Durham looked great. Charlie Jones continues to <laughs> be an absolute stud. And yeah. Something I asked Stephen Holder earlier, Jake. Highest paid offensive line in the NFL, the Colts. Third highest paid defensive line in football. What's been the bigger issue? I, well, offensive, I think. Um, I guess what's been more disappointing? Would you go O-line over D-line there? Here's the thing. An offensive line is more disappointing because a defensive line cannot cannot get pass rush, but if you have a decent secondary or active linebackers, you can kind of mask that or make up for it a little bit. If your offensive line is not doing its job, everything shuts down. And you're totally inefficient at that point, right? Isn't it wild that they have the highest paid offensive line, but they don't have a left tackle? Yeah. The the most important position right. of all, you mean? That is actually absurd. It's kind of sad, honestly, now yeah. that I say it out loud. And I mentioned this, I think, briefly yesterday. As much as I've been extremely public in my criticism over the wide receiver position and the lack of additions there, left tackle has been ignored much longer. Like, Anthony Costanzo at the age of 30 missed five games to start that 2018 season. That had to be the first red flag of, all right, we've had a hell of a run with Anthony Costanzo. And, Jake, you know this very well. Think about the Tarek Glenn to Tony Hugo situation. Now, it didn't work out, but that's what the Colts' line of thinking was. Right. And... Ballard not getting a head start or not attempting to get a head start. Honestly, that's probably the better word to use. He didn't even attempt to get a head start on life post Costanzo. So Costanzo's hurt in 2018, flirts with retirement in 2019, and in 2020, after signing for two years, he retires after one year. You went 2019 draft, nothing. 2020 draft, nothing. 2021 draft, nothing. In those three drafts, you drafted one offensive tackle, and that was in the seventh round. That's inexcusable. And now here you are. And and now you're scrambling with Matt Pryor and Bernard Ryman. Here's the thing with offensive line, though. I do think that offensive line sometimes takes a while for for them to gel together as a unit. And so it gets – you know what I mean? Like, that's not to say that they still this this season can't have a really good offensive line. I just think it takes time for those guys. When, When you have new faces around you, it takes a while. Maybe I'm being overly optimistic, and that's entirely possible. But I feel like even the veterans on that unit, yeah, aren't, I'm with Mark doing there. Braden Smith had some issues, Jake. No, you're right. I, I like it's one thing if it's the Braden Bear- Smith has really hurt him, right? Because 
He, he's so dropped reliable off. through his career, right. and now this. It's one thing if it's like the Bears' offensive line unit, where like three out of five are brand new guys, but the Colts' offensive line, those veterans have been there for quite a bit, and it's just completely disorganized. And D line again, I thought certainly thought Ngakwe would make more noise than this. Dead wrong on that. I think the frustration with the D line is it's there's a lot of money with in that group. Ngakwe, Buckner, I mean Hal Grover Stewart, who has been very good. He he makes a decent amount of money. But then you look at the reserves, and Joel Erickson kind of hit on this with us last segment. You have like tons of draft picks in the backup group. And again, none of them really panned out, but Tyquan Lewis, second round. Ben Banigou, second round. Dayo Adengbo, second round. Kamoko Turi, second round. No longer here. And then, you know, you got first-rounders and Quiddy Pay and, you know, Buckner, you traded a first-rounder for. That, to me, when you combine that, when you combine the draft picks plus the money, I think you can make the argument that the defensive line has been the bigger disappointment, or continues, really, to be. By the way, NC State was a school I was thinking of. Ooh. Mike Glennon, Jacoby Brissett, and Phillip Rivers right. at one time. And then Russell Wilson started there. And Russell Wilson. Yeah, that's what it was. I was thinking of Boston. It was NC State. Um, somebody asked me this question, Kevin. I want now, your thoughts on Now, where did Jacoby Brissett start? Florida, right? Florida. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Um, would the Colts have been better off sticking with Eric Fisher? Gosh. He... That was odd to me. I think it was odd to a lot of people, right? Because you hear, you know, year two off the Achilles, you're so much better. I mean, Fisher clearly had issues last season. But, you know, you now get a – I mean, he tore that Achilles in the AFC Championship game and played last season, you know, what, 10 months after doing that. I mean, that's a tall, tall order. But, I mean, yeah, Pat just tweeted at me, Jake. There's no possible way Matt Pryor is better than Eric Fisher. Hard to disagree with that. And as I said to Joel, it's gotten to the point where where priors look so bad, you just might as well play the rookie. Here you go, Bernard. You you hear the calling Bernard Ryman Bernie? Really? Are you good with that? You two seem to strike up. As long as he doesn't play like weekend at Bernie's, right? If they're just propping him out there every week, that's not a good thing, right? Oh, (laughs) Bibak. Do we have that, Mark? Bernard Ryman, of course, from uh, Austria, right? Mm-hmm. Home country of Arnold Schwarzenegger. And when we had him on about halfway through the interview, I'm thinking to myself, this guy sounds just like Schwarzenegger. Well, I mean, I don't know that he does. They just have the similar accent. So, of course, we had to get this from him. I'm Bernard Ryman, and I'll be back. <laughs> he really paused for that long. Yeah. Yeah. That's unedited. That's beautiful. Yeah, he played along. Nice guy, right? Offensive tackle doesn't work out. He could be an actor. What do you make of that? Or at least T- a voiceover for Arnold. Certainly. What do you make of that? T. Y. Hilton agent tweet. Am I am I reading too much into that? No, I don't think so. I think whenever an agent, you think it's Tampa Bay related? I don't think it's Colts related. You know what? It's possible. It's this. And just to refresh everybody before you go, Jake. Michael Katz, agent to T. Y. Hilton. Tweets yesterday, a couple ghost emojis, and then like TY, 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 a bunch. Okay. That was a tweet. An agent's job, what is an agent's job, Kevin? It's to do one of two things. Spew good PR about their client. Correct. An agent's job is to get their client the best deal possible. 
An agent's job is to either solidify if their player is a coveted asset, the best deal for them, or if their player is fading into the sunset to make them a coveted asset should they so choose. T.Y. Hilton is not playing football, but has not officially filed his paperwork with the league. And I personally believe T.Y. Hilton is comfortable with that. But it's kind of like people, if you you ever been in a relationship, Kevin, I know you're a happily married man and a family man, but did, did you ever have a girl that broke up with you? Sure. Oftentimes, when a girl breaks up with you, or if you're a woman listening, a guy breaks up with you, or a woman listening and a woman breaks up with you, or a guy listening and a guy breaks up with you, whatever it might be. If a domestic partner breaks up with you, a lot of times for people, they don't realize how much they truly valued and loved that person until they realize that it's over. Is it possible that T.Y. Hilton decided that, or or in his mind was thinking that he didn't want to play anymore? He was totally happy watching his son play on Friday nights. He's been enjoying the Real Housewives marathons on Bravo and the Seinfeld marathons that take place on Comedy Central. Hey, his son seems to be catching a touchdown every Friday night. Right. And then, so he didn't miss it. Didn't miss it. And then one day he gets on Twitter and he sees that the Colts put up a banner saying, thank you for the memories. And suddenly the finality of his career hits him smack in the face and he realizes, wait a minute, is football breaking up with me? And he calls his agent and says, I think I want to play again. And his agent says, well, teams are under the understanding that that you don't want to. And he says, well, then how do we get teams to think that I want to come back or that people are asking around? Because oftentimes what I've found is like it's easier to get a job when you have one. And his agent says, let me float it out there to create the conversation that teams are knocking on your door and we'll see who actually calls. And so he puts that tweet out there and says, Hmm. we'll see what sort of interest we generate here. Let's test the waters. Yeah, it was interesting, Jake. We'll see if anything happens today on that front. I do just, if it is it for TY and that banner and that message last week, how about these names? Justin Blackman, Michael Floyd, Kendall Wright, A.J. Jenkins, Brian Quick, Stephen Hill. Any of those names matter to you, Jake? Any relevance? Michael Floyd a little bit maybe, but not necessarily. So the first six wideouts taken in T.Y. Hilton's draft. Yeah, it's pretty impressive, isn't it? I bet if you combine their numbers, they might not equal what T.Y. Hilton did in his career. Well, how about this one? You ready? You know that when Reggie Wayne was coming out of Miami, uh, he will tell you anytime you ask, if you talk to him about it, that heading into the 2001 NFL draft, the only team that did not contact him was the Indianapolis Colts. And the team that did contact him and that year's draft was the Washington Redskins and told him, we are taking you if you're on the board at 15. And the Washington Redskins instead went with Rod Gardner out of Clemson. Here are the wide receivers that were selected before Reggie Wayne. 
David Terrell, eighth overall, to your Bears, Mark. Corin Robinson, ninth overall to oh, Seattle. I loved watching him at NC State. Rod Gardner, 15th overall to Washington. Clemson guy, right? Yep. Santana Moss, 16th overall to the New York Jets. Freddie Mitchell, <laughs> 25th overall to the Philadelphia Eagles. And then with the 30th pick, Reggie Wayne out of the University of Miami. You know, credit credit Ryan Grigson for trading back in the third round for T.Y. Hilton. I know yeah. there's a ton of misses on the Grigson draft resume, but that is an absolute home run. And Grigson, I will tell you this, Grigson absolutely, 1,000%. Ryan Grigson, 150,000% was ready to take, and I can't remember, to be honest with you, if he was here at the time or if he was in Cleveland at the time. But he recommended Russell Wilson. It wouldn't have been here because he would have he would have had that power, I guess. Where where was he when Russell Wilson was selected? Yeah, he was here. First okay. year as GM. He, then, yeah, he, he could have drafted Wilson. Then I think maybe his I feel claim, like every GM has come out publicly and said that they wanted Russell Wilson. No, you're right. But I will say um, – he did offer proof that he had recommended Russell Wilson. But was he the GM here, or was he – he might have still been in – for that draft, was he still in Philly? No, the first year. Luck and, Luck and Wilson are the same draft. Okay. He – I want to say that that maybe the, the owner overrode him then. But I know – I mean, I guess you could always doctor documents after the fact, right? I don't know why he would do that. He absolutely was interested in taking Russell Wilson in the third round. Thought that he would be a good backup. So maybe then you could say, well, demerit him because he's not a backup. What do you think the favorite memory will be of Colts fans and T.Y.? The clown mask was a favorite. Clown mask is one. The the rock and the baby. Yep. There's no... Chiefs touchdown. See, there's no one particular Over the top, play that, that jumps comeback. out at me. You know what I mean? I think it's that Chiefs play. Probably. You know, the other one that I loved was, do you remember, and this is actually is a Russell Wilson reference, Jake. You remember that Seattle coming in here in 2013 and the Colts beat the Seahawks. Luck against Russell Wilson. Right. And T.Y. torched the Legion of Boom. Richard Sherman and Cam Chancellor and all that. That was, I think, one of those kind of coming out parties for T.Y. You know, Reggie had torn his ACL, I think, or it was about, you know, Reggie just wasn't the same guy. And it was a little bit of passing of the torch on that front. To, to the clown mask point, though, again, T.Y. didn't have a lot of diva moments here. But that was, I'm going to walk, and then I'm going to talk. Didn't he have T.Y. socks? Were they T.Y. or ghost socks? I, the Rock and the Baby. I, yeah, they were I ghost socks. Was it? Is that Jacksonville? Here's a question somebody asked me. Uh, my friend Megan, who hasn't slept since the season began because the Colts haven't won yet. Oh, um, sorry, Megan. Name one free agent wide receiver Ballard has gotten who worked out. Dontrell Inman was that Ballard or Grigson? Boy, I want to say it was Ballard because that was Luck's comeback year, right? 2018. Uh, I would say of the marquee free agent, no one. 
Well, he hasn't he hasn't signed a lot. Kamar right? Aiken, Ryan Grant, who I loved at Notre Dame, but this was a receiver. Ryan Grant, uh, Devin Funches due to injury. Am I missing anybody? Does that cover the? I mean, Inman was a mid-season guy that actually played pretty well. Yeah, he he had he was he had a huge touchdown in that game a while or a game to clinch a playoff berth in Tennessee. But yeah, Ryan Grant, Kamar Aiken, Devin Funches, we would call those swings and misses. Scotty, good to see you. Sorry about the pop quiz yesterday. We do have time. Scotty didn't for bring in his laptop. I'm worried. Usually, he just goes with the iPad, right? We have no Wi-Fi in the building. Are we supposed to say that on the air? <laughs> okay. Yeah, that was Jake Query. That's a bit awkward. You have a phone? You can use your hotspot, Scotty. Mark, are we giving away anything outside of the Jiffy Lou prize pack this week? Four pack of Speed Drome tickets again. Four pack to the Speed Drome. We're doing that. Uh, 317-239-1070. Did you keep the same pop quizzes yesterday? No, I did not. You made some alterations? How about Scotty is angry. Scotty yesterday was walking around shouting out pop quiz questions on the circle to anybody that was walking past. How about this for a pop quiz question? The leader in tackles in the NFL right now is an Indianapolis native. Uh, Matt Pryor. He had a hell of a sack. Is it him? It is not Matt Pryor. Okay. An Indianapolis native? Indianapolis native. Leader in tackles. Right now in the NFL. We might throw that on the end of the pop quiz if necessary. Uh, again, 317-239-1070. Time for a morning checkdown. The morning checkdown. Omaha! 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 Brought to you by Ball State Football. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com. Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Ball State, by the way, got a home opener coming. Is it home opener? Not, I shouldn't say that, but a big one coming. Northern Illinois, October 1st, going to be taking on Ball State. Yesterday, Major League Baseball, it was the Marlins over the Cubs 10-3. Atlanta, the Mets, the Giants, Dodgers, Guardians, Mariners, Astros, and Tigers all getting wins. Uh, cute fella waiting to pounce now, and this is what they do as a bird of prey. Uh, they've got to apparently finish like 14-2 and down the stretch to make it into the playoffs. No problem. Watch for Cuteville on the wild card race. Indianapolis Indians 9-1 over the St. Paul State. My brother-in-law went to the game. He's got a young nephew as well. They they did the Simba cam but did not get on the Jumbotron yesterday at Victory Field, so he was disappointed. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, college football this weekend. What do we got? Indiana is at Cincinnati. That's 3-30. It's a big one. A little redemption from last year. Vegas likes Cincinnati big time in that one. Purdue's got Florida Atlantic and Notre Dame with a pick em on the road at North Carolina. Do you think Florida Atlantic and Florida Gulf Coast are rivals? Isn't that always a debate anyway? Which one's better, Atlantic or Gulf Coast? I feel like it's um, Florida International where TUI went, right? They should be rivals. FIU and I would think Atlantic would like to – I mean, they talk about it all the time, which is better, the coast side or the Atlantic side. Florida right? Atlantic. It's a huge debate down there. Head coach Willie Taggart. Look at you. What about Gulf Coast? Who's their coach? Well, he used to be the the Lob City guy, but he went to 
He's now at USC, right? Andy Enfeld and his smoking yeah. hot wife went out to USC. Oh, well, that's interesting. Boy, Jake definitely that? has the inside I'm knowledge. I'm just telling there. you, he was like oh, the lame kid in a college basketball. Boy, Scotty knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, you don't need Wi-Fi for that, do you, Scotty? I hope uh, Shannon's not dialing <laughs> up the radio this morning. <laughs> well, she, she she tuned out during our quarterback <laughs> quiz game. Monday Night Football last night, 41-7. The Bills <laughs> over Scotty the is still smirking. <laughs> and. 24 to 7 the Eagles over the Vikings are the Eagles a legit NFC team? I think they I think are. So. Yeah. Partially also because of their division, right? Yep. Jalen Hurts was outstanding. They last look night. good. They're they're a fun team to watch. Yeah. Do they play Hurts so good, you think, in at the stadium? I, I don't know. Why? Why were you? Why, why I tell you what? And you know, Mark usually is not very exhausted by you, but that was an exhausted <laughs> comment I heard. That All was right. Three The pop quiz. We clearly need a break. We'll talk to you here in a few minutes. I like one of the questions on here. Did you know that there, there's a city? Kevin, it's in the pop quiz, so I'm going to quiz you right here off the top. You ready? I was curious if you had spent any time thinking about my question during the break. I forget what your question was. Oh, oh yeah, the Indianapolis native leading the NFL in tackles. I don't know. But we'll, we'll throw that at the end of the pop quiz. What, um, what were you going to say about some city? What major U.S. city has multiple professional sports teams that all share the same color scheme? Every team in professional sports in this market shares the same color scheme. Gosh. Atlanta? Nope. The Falcons are black and red, and the Braves are navy and red. Yeah, I was thinking of the Hawks, too. Hawks are red and gold. Um, n- Nothing immediately jumps out. I mean, I could we could play this game for a few minutes. Scotty's. Scotty? Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is correct. Penguin Steelers, Penguin Pirates, Steelers, all black Pirates. and gold. Yep. Great call. Why is that? That's actually a good question. I don't know if that's by design. It is. Scotty, that was, reasoning would be? I mean, it's great city marketing, I guess. Yeah. Pittsburgh, the Penguins were blue. The Penguins were blue. For a while. They had to sue the Boston Bruins to change their colors to black and gold because the Bruins said that they own that in the NHL. Okay, so, but what was the, is is there a significance to black and gold to the city of Pittsburgh? No. There's, they just decided to keep them all? They just won titles. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Mark, do we have callers that have lined up? And I guess we the Pittsburgh do. Panthers, I guess, are blue and gold. Yeah. I like the pit uniforms, by the way. The pit, I, the pit helmets, the like, go, the caramel looking, they kind of like, like caramel helmets. I know it's not called Heinz Field anymore, but nothing like Heinz Field in November playing high school games, college football games, and NFL games on it. Just yeah. literally is a minefield. Uh, did you ever go to Pittsburgh for a game, Kevin? Yeah, but I went. I went and covered a Colts game in Pittsburgh against the Steelers, and they had a Heinz gift basket waiting on my hotel room oh, bed. Oh, wow. Yeah. I did not get that. It was Renegade lovely. ringing in my ear. I think that was the game Antonio Brown was humping the goalpost <laughs> after a punt return for a okay. touchdown. Okay. At least you remembered something from that game. Yeah, I tried. it was a wrap. Uh, who we got, Mark? I don't know. Pick a number. Let's find out. Four. Jeremy. What's up, Jeremy? Uh, not much. Just listen to a wonderful program. Welcome back, Kevin. Congrats. Sure. And we're going to keep it together, Dyson. 
Jeremy, <laughs> thank you for that. I appreciate it. Jeremy, you got a great voice. I've been told that once or twice. Any voice over radio background audio stuff? Not unless you can get me on board. I don't know why we we could be we could be talking about something here, Jeremy. Jeremy. Aside from the negative connotation of the song itself, um, how much were you referenced when Pearl Jam came out with their song? Well, I have spoken. <laughs> I'll bet you've been asked that a few times, Jeremy. You sound like a fun fellow. Have we met before? We have not. I'd like to though. Uh, well, th- that'd be fine. Wh- where would you like to meet? Well, let's get a beer and some wings. Okay, well, and Keystone Sports Review. There we go. Ale Emporium is always good. Ale is a good place. So are you a north side guy, Jeremy? I am indeed. And did you attend high school on the north side of Indianapolis? No, I did not. McCutcheon, Lafayette. Okay, that's cool. What's Uh, McCutcheon's nickname? Beg your pardon? Is it the McCutcheon Mavericks? It is indeed. There's a couple players. Clayton Clayton Richard. Yeah, most definitely. And he's coaching back back there, right? Yeah, he was held back a couple of years just so he could be a good. Uh, well, I think he went to Michigan, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, Jeremy, are you younger, older, or the same age as Clayton Richard, for example? Well, I am older than him. And you graduated from high school in what year? Uh, two thousand. Two thousand. Jeremy, we've got good news. If, if, if your math is correct, we've got good news. This is one of the shortest pop quizzes in the history of the pop quiz. Well, I'm not going to do very well. All I want is the speed drum ticket. Oh, well, perfect. Oh, That's my man. I love that. Perfect. I just want to see some buses run into each other. You I know love I mean? it, man. There you go. I'm, I'm glad you called. All right, Jeremy, I'm going to lead you off with question number one then. You ready? I'm ready. All right, name one of the two NFL divisions in which all four teams are tied for the division lead, and both of them, are, by the way, are in the NFC. NFC North. All right, okay. Max Scherzer threw six perfect innings for the Mets last night to pick up the 200th career win. Did they take him out right after that? God, piss uh, me Yes, off. they did. Oh. Jeremy, name the pitcher who is the current active leader in career wins. Scherzer, Zach Granke, Justin Verlander, who also has a smoking hot wife, and Adam Wainwright. Well, if he's got a smoking hot wife, I'm going with Verlander. Right. Then. I mean, you got to. All right, question number three. I was at an Astros game, by the way, uh, when he was pitching and she was there. What, Very, what, what's her name? I, I can picture her right I, now. I, I just Kate Upton. Also. Kate, Kate Upton. Upton, thank you. Kind of a normal-looking woman in, in real life and in person. Uh, question number three. Which quarterback has thrown the most interceptions through the first two weeks of the NFL season? Is it Matt Ryan, Matthew Stafford, Kirk Cousins, or Joe Burrow? I'm going to go Matt Ryan. Ooh, okay. I love Jeremy's decisiveness. I mean, he's just... <laughs> Jeremy ain't messing boy. around. Jer- I might go over five, but at least I'm doing it. Jeremy, Jeremy what line of work are you in? I am a uh, meat cutter. Oh, really? Nice. Cut that meat. Can Can man a like shout that. Out to, let me just give a shout out to Fresh Time. If, if, if anything goes well, like, at least uh, people that are listening know about Fresh Time. That's cool. Amen, Jeremy. Three-step drop, and he gets it out quick here. All right, number four, Cleveland's Nick Chubb. Tied for the NFL lead to three rushing touchdowns through the first two weeks of the season. Name the quarterback who played last night with whom he is tied. Is it A, Jalen Hurts, B, Lamar Jackson? Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. I already guess talking about him positively. Okay. (laughs) Question number five, and it would have been very applicable yesterday. On this day in 1933, the Pittsburgh Steelers played their first NFL game, losing to the New York Giants in Pittsburgh. The franchise would not be known as the Steelers until 1940. What was the original name of the Pittsburgh Steelers? 
would have been perfectly fitting for national talk like this day yesterday. Panthers, Penguins, Pipers, or Pirates? Can you repeat that one more time? Sorry. Thank the Lord we avoided this day yesterday. By the way, Pirates should have been option C. Uh, Okay, the Steelers were originally known as the Panthers, Penguins, Pipers, or Pirates. Let's go Pipers. Are you sure about that? No. Tell me again. Just (laughs) one hint. Give me a hint. The Panthers, Penguins, or Pirates? Pirates, yeah. (laughs) Jeremy, I love you, man, but come on. We did not need Jake to go down that path again. All right, let's see how he did. One of the NFL divisions with all four teams tied for the division lead. He said the NFC North. Loud and proud. NFC West would be the other. Uh, Question number two, Justin Verlander was in fact correct. Correct, though. Numero Trace, which quarterbacks are on the most picks through the first two weeks? It is Matthew Stafford. No, he said Matt Ryan. He said Matt Ryan. Oh, good call. Sorry, Jeremy. But here's the thing, Jeremy, no worries because you're going to the speed realm. We'll get you the tickets. Jalen Hurts and Pirates both were correct. So still nothing on my Indy native leading the league in tackles. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, Jake, I think you could be guessing for a year. See, I know that there's – I mean, you've obviously got – some kids that played at like Ohio State, but they're offensive players, like offensive line trench players. Obviously, wide receiver in McLaren. You're warm. Is it an Ohio State player? It is an Ohio State product, a Cathedral High School product. But you said I could guess all day, and I wouldn't get it. I just don't think the name is like super. Uh, he was, he was actually a Notre Dame commit at one point. Went to Ohio State. I mean, he started. Matthias Kiwanuka. And I'll say there's a name. Um, Pete Warner, linebacker for the New Orleans Saints, second-round pick of the Saints in 2021. And here in year two, through two weeks, his 21 tackles leads the – 18 solo tackles leads the NFL. By the way, did you go to school with – is Matthias Kiwanuka – He would be around my brother's age, so – uh, my brother, I just turned 33. My brother was 38. So Matthias Kiwanuk was, do you know his connection, historically speaking? Um, yeah, refresh my memory a little bit uh, on that. Matthias Kiwanuk was family, he is Ugandan. I mean, he's an American, but his right. family is of Ugandan heritage. His grandfather was the prime minister of Uganda That's that right. was overthrown by Idi Amin. And I'm not, his grandfather may have been assassinated. But he was definitely part of a coup that led to Idi Amin. If you've ever seen, um, oh, what was the movie about Idi Amin with Forrest Whitaker? It was outstanding. The Last King of Scotland, is that what it was called? Yeah, it was outstanding. I'm, I'm trying to think. I'm looking this up now. So Matthias Kiwanuka and then Jeremy Trueblood. Correct. They were the same class, I think. Trueblood went to Boston College, right? Yeah, so both of them did. Both of them went, went, That's right. went, yeah, yeah. went to BC. And Trueblood BC... went to the Bucks, and Kiwanuka went to the Giants, I think. And those two had such, I think, a prominence on the Boston College program, Kiwanuka probably a little bit more, that Boston College played at Ball State one year in really? a game. And Boston College did, I think, their morning walkthrough at Cathedral. That's cool. Yeah. You know and, that... Um, and, and I think it was 2000... Gosh, I had to be like a freshman because I remember it was a huge deal of like, oh my gosh, and here comes a college Dean Smith, team. when he was at North Carolina, always had a 
um, kind of a, a deal with play, with recruits that if you played at North Carolina, they would play at least one game in your in or as close to possible your hometown. Which is why when Eric Montross was, was at North Carolina, they played at Hinkle. They played Butler. I love that. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I wish – obviously college basketball it's a little easier to do. You know, when Dean Smith passed away, every player that played for him got a $200 check in the mail with a letter that he had – that his estate had set up. He had written it before he fell into dementia, but with a letter saying, like, you know, you thank you for your commitment to North Carolina basketball and to me and yada, yada, yada. So I would like for you to be able to enjoy a dinner with your family. Huh. And every player – That's that really cool. Got a two hundred dollar really cool. check. Yeah. Speaking of that, um, did you see yesterday that there will be beer sold at Indiana University? I saw that. I asked Men's a question on Twitter. Um, I asked a question on Twitter yesterday. Now that alcohol or beer will be served at Assembly Hall, if IU basketball was a beer, what beer would it be? And now Caleb, <laughs> the overenthusiastic intern, had a great answer when he said uh, Zima because. Adults remember when it was really popular, but no one born after 2000 understands why. That's a great. <laughs> that is such a great, a great description. Uh, so a lot of people said old style or Paps Blue Ribbon because they were huge in the late 70s yeah, and through the say, 80s. Like, insert, I have pictured my dad driving to the Rockies for Coors Light, and now you can just. <laughs> Some, somebody said Coors because, like, you know, it was the creme de la creme at one time, yeah. Um, did you see the Big Ten schedule came out for basketball? I did not see that. So, IU and Purdue will play twice this year, which, again, for like a stretch there, they're only playing one time a year. I'm like, what in the right. world are we doing here? But how about both games falling on Saturdays? That kind of – it was always it's always kind of fun during the week, right? So, you, you, you would rather have a weeknight? Yeah. Now, the environments would be rowdy no matter what day of the week the game is. But I don't know. There's something about a couple Saturdays that I'm like – I mean, it's cool. You know what? Two Saturdays Saturday. in February but for I mean, IU Purdue? Don't, doesn't it seem, you know, the the 5 o'clock news and a cold, snowy day, and they're live at Mackey because the game's going to be that night on a okay. Thursday? That, that, I mean, that, That's fair. You know. Yeah, I might I might actually agree with you on that. I just – I don't recall when I was there, them playing on Saturdays. I do recall one year, though. Do you remember, Kevin, where they, it was scheduled such that they didn't face each other, and so therefore they played a game like at the Dome or something? Or – you know what I mean? Or, or Lucas Oil God, and make up for it. a while back. Mike Davis era. Mark, I can't read your writing on what time we need to be out. Yeah, that marker struck. marker's going to hell. <laughs> I think I got it. <laughs> 25 seconds left? Is that what no, that says? a couple minutes. It is crazy how you get to this point. Of no, that's se- a four. I know what I wrote. That's a six. <laughs> that's a six. <laughs> I can't read it. You, you got vision this- now, right? Go get your insurance coverage. <laughs> you get this back half of... Um, of September, and it's like, man, basketball season's about to be here. I mean, we're going to be at the Pacers golf outing tomorrow. When does in, doesn't Indiana play at Kansas this year? Yeah, that's in December. Back-to-back weeks at Kansas, and I think the week prior to that is Arizona and Vegas. People need to go to Lawrence, man. Um, yeah, tomorrow the Pacers uh, golf outing, right? Yes, over at the Brickyard Crossing, we'll be there. Chad Buchanan, GM of the Pacers, will join us. So Miles Turner's going to like play for this team this season, right? Yes. He's on the roster. So the 37th straight year of trade talks has led to nothing for Miles Turner? I've always felt like that trade talk happens outside the field house, but you don't hear as much of it from inside of it, right? Interesting. Receiving calls, not really doing the calling? I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I'm uh, excited about this liquid now, death. Now, I'm a little, yeah, these liquid death cans are awesome. The YouTube stream can see them right now. Um, 
do you think they'll have to have extra security if I see Benedict Matherin out at the golf yes. alley tomorrow? You're gonna, gonna get fan, you're gonna fanboy it, aren't you? Let's take you out with a rope like I mean, you've Bryson got on DeChambeau. Your, you've got on your Tiger Woods shirt today, so mm-hmm. that's enough fanboy for you for one day. The Bryson DeChambeau running into a rope um, <laughs> video is the top three funniest thing I've seen really since the turn of the century. He was not pleased. He was not pleased. It looked like he had just gone down. Um, who will be more excited, me to see Benedict Matherin or you to see Fanbo Zhang? Oh, is, is Fanbo going to be there, fanboy? Is he still on the roster? No, I think they... I think he he's at the 19th hole. Are you going to follow Matherin for all 18 holes like it's Tiger at the Masters? Hey, do you need a caddy? Yeah, I'm over here, Jake. You got the rest I'd of the show. I'd use a seven iron, Benedict. <laughs> Those greens uh, are playing a bit fast today. Colts get back to practice tomorrow. If you missed it, Joel A. Erickson with us earlier. Some T.Y. Hilton stuff uh, will be on the podcast. Uh, you can check that out. And again, we'll be at the Pacers golf outing tomorrow morning. Signing off, Kevin and Quarry, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan.